Surely, I don't know if you can hear us yet. He's gonna hear me crunching into my cord on. There he is. Hey, hey, Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers. Everybody, what's up, Patterson? P Hood. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you, man? I'm hanging in there. Nice. Uh, how's uh, how's life in Portland? Oh, it's good. It's good. What's eating there? Frozen chicken cordon bleu. Fuck yeah. Yeah. It's pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, Ru- Russ decided uh, uh, during our interview with one of the founding members of the Drive-By Truckers would be a great time to have his dinner. So I feel like right. that well, would be disrespectful that, not to. That's, that's actually pretty fitting, I guess, because uh, <laughs> no one loves food more than me. So <laughs> that's, that's what I figured. Um, we're uh, we're we just got started a, f- a little while ago. We're we're getting into the album Freedom by Neil Young a little bit. Um, but before we uh, hop back in, I do want to say we're super excited to have Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers on with us. They released two new albums this year, one way back in January called The Unraveling, and they uh, a surprise release in October called The New OK, which is probably one of my top five albums yeah, of the year. Awesome. Um, so Patterson, welcome to Long May You Young. Man, thanks. Thanks so much. And uh, thrilled to be here. Uh, always love talking about Neil Young. He's way more fun to talk about than me. So, uh, <laughs> well, hopefully thanks, do a, a little bit of both. So, and thanks for the kind words about the new OK. Uh, I, I'm I'm real I'm real happy with it. Real proud of it. And uh, and uh, seems like a lot of people are liking it. The better of the two, which is cool, unexpected but cool. And uh, mm. so uh, so good. Yeah, man. Really like, it's definitely a, a document you can look back on at this time. Yeah. It really captures some of the feelings, some of the emotions on there. Um, you know, like the yeah, Paris night, you know, that's, that's like just explains so much about what's going on right now. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as a band, we've spent the majority of our, God, 25 years this June as a band, doing these little portraits of other, of, of like other places in time, hopefully with the idea of it somehow still being relevant today, you know, whereas Southern rock opera was set in the seventies and uh, mm. during the George Wallace era. But I felt like there's probably parallels between, you know, that and things that were happening. And at the time it came out and uh, dirty South was, I guess, kind of moving into the eighties during, during, uh, the socio-political, you know, during the Reagan era, and uh, and you know, and it, it came out in two thousand and four, which was an election year, and, uh, mm. and and all of that. But with these last three records, we've kind of been about the right here and right now. The last three records have been, you know, really just addressing what was going on in the moment, and. Uh, uh, so, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that when 
hopefully this time is over and we've all moved on from it. At very least, these three records, kind of the, the uh, starting with American Band in 2006 and then Unraveling and New OK, were kind of like a document and a snapshot of, of this really screwed up era that we've been going through that I'm hoping we're going to find a way out of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hope so too, man, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like something Crazy. like I'd, you know, like maybe play for my grandkids. You know, right. what was 2020 like? Well, you know, the new OK is a pretty good document about what was going what was going on through people's minds, you know, and, and yeah. observations on what's happening then. Well, it's very interesting. So we started this podcast. So me and Russ, the guy who's eating the chicken cord on blue, we're in a band called Town Meeting. And like every other band, we came to a halt in March. Right. I like that name, by the way. That's That's cool. I like huh. that. Thanks, man. Um, but so, you know, we, with no gigs, we knew we loved Neil Young. We knew Mike loved Neil Young. So we said, let's talk about Neil Young. It'll keep us sane during this year. In <laughs> yeah. a very, I mean, I don't know if you'd call it serendipitous or whatever, but we were hitting after the gold rush and harvest right almost ex- to the day when George Floyd was murdered. So oh, talk yeah. about like um, capturing a moment in history and then, like, seeing how shit that came out in the fucking uh, early 70s and late 60s is somehow still relevant today, it just, I don't know, it speaks to the... Isn't the, that sad? Isn't that yeah. sad? <laughs> so I mean, sad. I mean, it's really sad to me that, that Alabama and Southern Man are relevant today. I think. And, right. they, and they truly are. And, I, and, I, and, I, and that's, that's coming from a, a huge Neil Young fan who loves both of those songs. But, right. But but I would much rather at this point in history love them as a snapshot of some other some right. dark time we lived through than right. being relevant today. Right. I, I saw Neil the summer before all the uh, summer before last. I saw him uh, by far the best Neil Young show I've ever been to. I've probably been to about ten, and uh, and I've always had kind of mixed luck about Neil Young shows, but I got lucky and I caught one of those just one of those nights I always dreamed of getting to see. And uh, and he played Alabama, and oh, nice. it was one of the most hair raising, stunning things seeing that live in an arena I've, uh, that I've ever seen. It was incredible. And uh, yeah. so, um, you know, it's, it's just amazing. That's one of the beautiful things about songs is, you know, you just never know because they, they do have these, these afterlives, you know, mm. sometimes really unexpectedly. I mean, you know, the guys in Big Star thought their records were going to be huge and then they were dismal failures and then all these years later, everybody loves Big Star. You know, mm. sadly, most of them didn't live to see it. But, uh, but so, so you just never know. And of course, Neil Young, you know, is one that particularly, I mean, no one's ever written a better protest song than, than uh, Ohio, which, right. you know, was written, what, within 48 hours of Kent State right. shooting and, yeah. and was out, was out as a single within like what, something like two weeks or something. It's the craziest part. I think it was less than that, wasn't it? It was like a yeah. like a couple days after or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, it was it was that was a totally different time for the music industry yeah. where you could do something like that. I think there was just because there were less lawyers involved. Oh yeah. You know? But at the same time right now and there's a lot I can really bitch about right now with the state of the music industry because as <laughs> yeah. as we all know, they have rendered it 
just, you know, next to impossible to make a living except for playing live, yeah, which right. of course this year that went away. And so it's thank been, God for Bandcamp Fridays. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, literally I wouldn't be, I wouldn't still be in this room because right. we would have lost our house if it wasn't for that. And yeah. uh, so uh, we, you know, but one, one advantage of all of it is, I mean, I wrote the new okay on the last week of July and uh, I wrote watching the orange clouds the first week in June. Uh, both, both of those songs centered on the George Floyd protests in mm -hmm. Portland, which of course became, you know, international news because the feds, they sent the feds in on us and, mm -hmm. uh, and it was a total, can I cuss? I'm on the way. Oh, no, fuck yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It became a total clusterfuck. Always good to ask first. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't want anybody getting. You, have, you, you have consent. Okay. I don't want anybody getting fined on my, uh, it's happened. But, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it, the clusterfuck it became and, and we were able to release, you know, we were able, not as fast as Ohio, but still pretty breakneck speed. We had we had the new OK out as a out as a single on the Internet uh, within six weeks of when I wrote it and and had the album out within eight weeks of when I wrote that song, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> Just yeah. from from a people who do that on a much smaller scale than you guys, it's and we'll insane. have we'll have vinyl in a week. Where the vinyl comes wow. out, I think, a week from Friday, awesome. uh, thankfully. So uh, you know, we never normally would ever want to release a record without our vinyl, but it just seemed important to get it, to really to try to be as much like Ohio as possible. It's like <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. right now and right this moment, it's a snapshot of a moment. Let's get it out there, and yeah. we put together a video that utilized protest footage, and um, uh, and and. I think I'm really proud of the video and I'm someone that video is great videos, but, uh, but I'm real proud of what, what, what was done with that. And uh, I think it gives the song an, an extra life, which is a best case scenario. Oh yeah. I, I definitely wanted to touch on that for sure with you, Patterson, because to go back to what Luke was saying about when we were coming up to those albums and then uh, attributed to whatever was going on in the world, well, in, in this country, especially, but, when we got to those songs, uh, I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, Luke, but I think the day after I had, I had just got back from the Boston Black Lives Matter. It was, Matter it was the day after, yeah. And then we recorded the day after and it, we were covering that album. And so I, I was fresh off of that. So I was like fired up. I was, you, you know, I was heated and yeah. And, and I was like, this is crazy that I just came from this fucking protest and now we're covering these songs and it's been 40 something more than that years. And it's the same right. shit, if not even more, you know. And yeah. so I want to talk to you about that because I was listening to a, a, a podcast you were just on and uh, uh, man, it was socially something, something about social, um, something about social sociology. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, with that yeah. Yeah, the was a, uh, the was like a professor maybe out yeah. of that did it. Yeah, yeah. Sort of and I was listening to your interview there, and, and you were talking about your experience being there in, in Portland, and um, you were mentioning how it was almost like uh, you could set your clock to when they would start. And I, when I say they, I mean whatever the police or whoever oh, you yeah. were talking yeah, about that fan. hired. Yeah. yeah, and I had a very similar situation when I was in Boston because we were coming into the common. 
and I don't know if you if you're familiar with Boston too much, but we were coming into the to common and you started to see these weird sort of barricades. And then it was all, everything was great. It was all peaceful. It was all wonderful. There was like basically how you described it, mostly just a, a feeling of joy and but also anger a little bit, but in a in a yeah. powerful, passionate way. And then it was the same and thing. And a productive, a productive yes. kind of anger, mm-hmm. not a destructive kind of anger. Was yeah, and the, and, and the only time I, we ever saw anything while we were marching was there was like some white kid that was spray painting a window. And then all of us like got on him and we're like, we were like, get the fuck out of here. You know, and that was right. taken care of quickly. Nothing bad. I saw some of that too. Yeah. So, but once it got dark, it was like, it hit a certain point And then it was like the flip of a switch. Everyone was fine. And then you just see this police cruiser come screaming down right. out of nowhere, out of nothing towards protesters and then, so everyone starts running from the police car and then all of a sudden they're throwing tear gas. And then it's just like, right. yeah. and, they, and then they were all there, all ready to go. And it was just like oh, yeah. some, something like you said on, on yours. It was, it's like they are like, oh, okay, here we go. Let's start fucking, you know, <laughs> throwing tear gas and beating the shit out of people. And It's 1129 and the shit comes down. <laughs> it, it, it was, you could, it was exactly that, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, uh, someone who was with me was like, yeah, you know, up until about a week ago, it would start right at, at about 11.59. And then all of a sudden, one day, they just moved it up 30 minutes. And, uh, uh, it, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And, and so much of what I saw, I mean, yeah, there's going to be, anytime you have a crowd of people, there's going to be an asshole. There's going to be an asshole that's right. going to act up and do something. That right. should not be a reflection on the greater group. It's right. just something. The hundreds of thousands of people who are there, you know, yeah. peacefully you know yeah. yeah yeah so and then I mean, like you said you, like you were saying the media totally takes a certain aspect of it and blows it up and i don't know there's just so many routes and avenues to to go with all this that it's just it's we're in such a crazy time and mm. yeah when i when i the day after i was at the or actually actually the night i was at the protest i was posting stuff on instagram pictures i was taking from it and just my comments about the general vibe and then the next day when I was scrolling through yep. um, the hate mail, yep. you know, Jesus. And, and vast majority of which was from people who've never been to my city. They've never been to Portland, you know, and, and, oh, you know, and it was just these predictable lines of attack from them. And, uh, and it was really depressing, you know, and then I would watch, I would check out the coverage in, in the news, including, including the so-called liberal media and from people that should know better. I mean, you right. kind of expect yeah. Fox news to, to say the bullshit they're going to say, but people that should know better's coverage didn't get, didn't reflect what I saw with my own eyes when yeah. I was there. Mm. And I got, I really saw the same thing. Yeah. Got yeah. super depressed about it. And uh, I actually wrote the new okay as that's what I, when I'm depressed, that's usually my best way of dealing with it is to try to write through it. And, uh, and so that was basically, that became the new, okay, that song. So when you're dealing with that, that hate mail sort of thing in the digital age, especially when it, it, I know that you're, you're talking about live footage from the protests and, and I sort of had on a smaller level had the same sort of thing happening to me. I also had people being very encouraging, of course. But, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But when it comes to an album like The New OK and, and the stuff you've put out this year, have you sort of, I guess, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but have you gotten used to that? Because like Luke and I, for instance, we're brothers, we're in a band, and 
where we we've always thought we've been pretty like upfront about where we stand with we things, definitely but, have been it's just this yeah year i mean it's not like we've, year. we've never been hiding it but i right, guess people good. just see what they want to see and maybe it's like a what do you call it a confirmation bias or something but this year especially we have lost a, a so bunch of fans. fans and followers because fuck them man yeah fuck it's em. like i'm sorry you know and i'm fuck i'm and I'm posting something about probably like Rayshard or something, and I get all these fans who are like, you know, you should, you should really do, 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 and it's like, I just, I'm wondering now with everything you've been putting out, are you sort of used to that? Have has that affected uh, the the fan base, the followers? Not that it fucking matters. Who gives a shit? Yeah, yeah, like, yes, and no. yes and no. You know, uh, I, I've got pretty thick skin when necessary, and. Uh, and if I believe in what I'm doing and believe in what we're doing and we're all unified as a band and as a family, uh, both the band family and my family here, mm-hmm. it, it, as long as that's all solid, I can deal with anything. You yeah. can bring it on motherfuckers. I'll take you on. I, I, I've <laughs> yeah. got, you know, if I got, if I know the band's got my back and we got each other's back and my family's supportive of it, then we're fine. We'll be, mm. we, we can ride out whatever, you know, we went into American band with that attitude and it was, you know, it was really shitty for a week or two. And then those assholes moved on to something else. And they do. We, they ended, up with a, we ended up with a, <laughs> a stronger, much better fan base than we had before. And uh, you know, I don't think, I don't think the numbers were affected negatively for people who look at that, but as far as the experience out there in the room playing shows on tour, Oh God, I miss it. Uh, You know, that was, uh, it was better because it ran off the assholes. It, 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 all of a sudden that dude, that drunk dude with his backwards baseball cap, who doesn't know how to act in a crowd or around God forbid girls we have, we might have in the audience. That's Mike. That's Mike. By the way, that's That's not me. That's that's (laughs) when, 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 you know, that guy all of a sudden got pissed off and quit coming. And then all of a sudden, all those people that that guy was pissing off, they were all having a better time and right. coming back. And, you know, we started drawing more girls <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. and, uh, um, you know, I don't know, maybe girls don't dig incel music. I don't know. You know whatever. <laughs> but, but, but it, it, it got, it got better. And so, so the, the storms for the record since then, it's kind of been that, but the thing this summer did bother me because partly because I'm probably not in as strong a place as I might normally be because I don't have my band with me and I'm not out doing what I do. And so I've been like a fish out of water a lot of the time this year and I've had darker harder times with depression this year than I've had since I was 27, which was a really long time ago and uh, over half my life ago. And so, uh, you know, that's been, it's been tough. And so it did bother me more. uh, And it just bothered me for my kids. It bothered me to Hmm. see that this is how I knew we had an election coming up and to see that 
that what was happening in Portland, which I viewed as very much a, a political act of fuck you from the president towards the towards the left and towards the blue states in the start to see it kind of working to see that people were actually buying into it and even some mainstream media was portraying it the way he wanted it portrayed really depressed me and yeah. really depressed me and made me angry and uh and that song totally came out of that as well as the decision to put out this record which you know we had no plans to make another record this year i mean that was you know we were going to be touring behind the, the the perfectly new record we already had and right and when the idea first was presented to me to maybe put out a record this year the first thing out of my mouth was oh great now we can have two brand new records we can't <laughs> tour behind yeah, yeah, yeah great idea you know and uh and uh it, it was it was crazy you know and then um and then i was ranting about the idea to my wife and and uh she's like you know I think they're right. I think you should put this record out. I think it should come out right now. I think you should get those songs out and, you know, whether it's as a single or an EP or whatever it takes, watching the orange clouds and you okay need to come out yesterday. Yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and whatever is the best way to facilitate getting them out and seen by the most people is what you should be doing. And, you know, the next morning I woke up is like, Hey, let's do this thing. And it's like, it's like, you know, and I started going through what we had recorded in various states of completion, you know, and we had some stuff that was mixed and mastered. We, uh, we had some stuff that was strictly like a guitar part and a drum part and a scratch vocal. We had all this different stuff. And I'm like, man, there's an album here yeah. that I think we can make happen even with us all on different sides of the country, because I'm out in Oregon and the rest of them are in three states in the South, you know? So, so it's like, I think we can do this. And, oh, so uh, you did it. You did it cross country then. Oh yeah. We, oh, we wow. Cut, we cut watching the orange clouds, the distance and uh, the new okay cross country. Holy and, shit. And we always record live in a room. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, shit nine out of 10 songs are basically live albums just in a room, maybe, maybe some overdubs from guitar or, or, you know, a new vocal track and some harmonies or something. But generally the performance is the band live in the room with, you know, like, I mean, a handful of exceptions or not in our entire catalog, mm. but, but that wasn't going to be possible. And so we, uh, we, we, and I, but I wanted it to sound like I wanted, I didn't want it to sound different than the stuff we'd already recorded in Memphis that was live in the room. And, uh, and so I'm so proud of my band because I feel like they nailed it. I feel like you really would not be able to tell which songs were which if I didn't run yeah. them out talking about them. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, and so I, I cut a demo in this room. I sent it to our drummer and he went into David Barbie's studio, which is in Athens where he lives. And uh, he played, he put a, a master drum track down for those two songs using what I'd done up here and then sent that back to me. And I went into a studio with like nicer microphones and shit than I've got and did a guitar, a, a master guitar and vocal track. And then we sent it, and uh, to the rest of the band, and they put their wow. parts on. That's crazy. Uh, Cooley did his stuff at his house, you know, his banjo awesome. and slide parts on yeah. the 
on distance and all that. He just did it at his house. And uh, uh, Matt Patton has a studio in Water Valley where he lives. That's what he does when he's home is he runs a studio. So he went in there and did his parts there. And uh, Jay did his parts, I think, in our practice space, and uh, wow. which is next door to David's studio. So um, it was all, you know, it was all, and it was super quick. I mean, when it was finished within, it was mixed and mastered and artwork liner notes, everything for the vinyl done within six weeks of the day we decided we were going to do it. Wow. The artwork is great, by the way. I fucking oh, love thank that. you. Or, that I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll tell Wes, but thank you on Wes's behalf. I think, I think he outdid himself. I, I was, I was wanting to have a West coverage. We've done photo covers the last two albums and I was wanting to do another West cover. And I thought this being the third and what's kind of become an unintended trilogy of records, it'd be mm. perfect to have him do the cover. And I mentioned the idea to him of just, you know, doing a cover for it. And I sent him, you know, our, where we were, the roughs or whatever of what we had. And the next day he sent me a sketch of, what it was. And the second I saw that, that stand, you know, for the, that monument stand with the graffiti on it, I was just like, Oh my God, that's it. It's like, we, we, we can use this. You know, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm working on the real thing. You know, it's like, it's like, hold your horses, you know, and then a day later he had it. Has that been all of the covers? Do you send him the music or what you have finished? And then he kind of works off of what he hears. Yep. Always. That's awesome. Yeah, with never the less input from me or or anyone else, the better. And anytime I've had input for him, it's probably just, you know, uh, it's probably just slowed him down. But because uh, his ideas are usually better than mine would be anyway. But uh, and of course he's in Richmond, so so he saw that every day. He saw those you know monuments come off of those stands as it was happening every day, and the graffiti and all that. So. Uh, so that kind of tied that tied Richmond to Port, you know, Portland to Richmond too, which is important too because Richmond's one of our first towns as a band where we had a following. Well, you that's know, where uh, I first saw you. It was at the Cracker Dirtball Barn Dance at Alley Cats down in Shaco Bottom. Oh yeah, you guys. Which one? Which one? Alley Cats was the first one. I yeah, think that, that was the first. Very first. That was the first time you were, I think, in town. I'm not sure, but yeah. you guys didn't even play on stage. They had you set up on the floor, like on the side. Oh, was that the one with Cracker? Yeah, that was with Cracker, and they had okay, Joe the Osborne. Cracker, that yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the, that was probably the fourth or fifth one we did. But that was that was cool because that was playing. I mean, Cracker was a you know we were a little bitty band and they were a great big band, and yeah. so it was really really special getting to do that. And uh, I remember being there with a bunch of friends and then they said, Hey, our friends at drive by truckers are going to play a set. And then you started playing and you were like over here, you know, like on the side of the bar. And I'm like, right. who the fuck are those guys? And then by the end of your set, we were all like, who the fuck were those guys? Oh, thank <laughs> they you. were fucking good, man. It was, it was a memorable night, but that was the first time. Cause I, you lived in Richmond through most of the nineties and you know, I, the Harveys were at that show that night. Yeah. That's they a were there. I actually, I actually remember having a pretty long conversation with them that night uh, after our set, uh, hanging out with them at the merch table. They came, they came to a lot of our shows and uh, uh, they even came to like an afternoon thing we did at some little restaurant pub place and, and, uh, uh, 
uh, I can't remember now what street it was on, but uh, they came one night with their one afternoon with their kids, you know, and their yeah. kids they all had little headphones on and right. and all that. So uh, yeah, that was a special show. Richmond special to us. Yeah, just to explain who Brian Harvey is, he was in this band called House of Freaks in the '80s, which was one of the first like duo bands. Oh, they know, were awesome! Right, just a so guitar cool. player and drummer, and they were from Richmond, and super talented musicians, great songwriters, and uh, he was later in like Guttermouth. Yes, think, Gutter Gutterball was it Gutterball? Gutterball. Was it Gutterball? Yeah, yeah. with Steve Wynn. Right, with Steve Wynn from Dream Syndicate and stuff, and and um. Unfortunately, this horrible thing happened. Um, there was a home invasion. They ended up killing him, his wife, and his kids oh, and Jesus. setting his house on fire. Oh, God. You guys did. Oh, New Year's Day. Yeah. God. New Year's Day. I, I had moved back to Massachusetts at that time, and I remember reading that in the paper, and just I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. You know, it was just, I was on the phone with Wes Freed. I was on the phone with Wes Freed wishing him happy new years when they got the word that it had happened. And of course they oh, were geez. old friends. And, yeah. Uh, right. So I was actually on the phone when that, when they got word and uh, uh, it was, it was awful. It was horrific. And, oh, that's uh, fucking terrible. Yeah. Now I know you guys did. Did you guys do a show at plan nine? Records yeah, it just came out on a, as a live record uh, right. like for record store day. It just came out. Uh, it was a benefit for the Harvey Foundation that they set up in their honor and um, uh, oh. at the Plan 9 record store in Richmond, which was directly across the street from Catherine Harvey's toy store, World yeah. of Earth, which is still there and still operating. But um, so it was kind of ground zero for, you know, the people who really loved them and uh, the most. And it was, uh, uh, yeah, and our band, I, I wrote a song uh about them called two daughters and a beautiful wife oh, yeah that's beautiful i remember but I, I bring that I, I just i never thought i'd see the day where those monuments would come down on monument avenue if you guys never been to rich if you've never, never been, to been rich, no. there's no. monument avenue and it was jefferson davis and robert e lee and jeb stewart wow and um, all those gems yeah you know these you know the heroes <laughs> of the confederacy basically <laughs> When we moved down there, me and my Yankee friends used to call it the Avenue of Second Place Trophies. And that would piss people <laughs> off to no end, you know. And um, I remember when they put I think the, the monument stand is, was it Stonewall Jackson on our album cover? I think it's the Stonewall Jackson. Is it the Stonewall Jackson one? On our cover. I, I hope I'm not wrong, but I think, I think it is. Yeah. The, the, uh, I know that um, when they broke ground for the Arthur Ashe statue, you guys know who Arthur Ashe is, the tennis player? Yeah. Um, African-American guy who was denied playing in the tennis courts in Richmond because of, because of his race. Uh, so they wanted to put a statue up there. It was the, one of the longest, most painful processes ever yeah, to get his course. statue up on that. And, but it happened. Oh, you know, one of the greatest stories, uh, the groundbreaking, they all came out, the Klan, the Nazis, you know, the fascists, everybody was there. And the Richmond police, all these like um, Nazis came from Roanoke, Virginia and the Richmond police, towed all their vans it was freaking awesome that's fucking great awesome. yeah but, it's, uh, um, it's funny that you mentioned that mike because my baby was at that show and weirdly enough the kkk took my baby away <laughs> that is a well-placed cover sir mr hood well-placed <laughs> first he was like what the fuck what? <laughs> that is wow. a, it really that, that, uh, yeah how's that for a segue good job <laughs> luke 
I give David Barbie full credit, uh, besides the Ramones for, you know, and Joey Ramone for writing what a great, such a great song. But uh, we were in Memphis. Uh, we went to Memphis for a week in the fall of 2018 and uh, ended up recording 18 songs. And the majority of the unraveling and uh, probably the slight majority of the new okay came from those sessions. Uh, we just had this like magical week of just, we were there like 85 hours that week in the studio, just, mm. you know, and we've been on tour all summer uh, opening for Tedeschi trucks band. Awesome. And uh, we were, and, and we spent every sound check that summer, like working on our new material for the, for the, for the upcoming studio time. So we went in there just on fire and just mm. knocked it out. And we had finished the last, take of the last song and we're literally about to start packing up because we were leaving the next day to go back on the road and um david barbie came in our producer came in out of the control room and goes stop what you're doing before you pack anything up everyone's all set up i want you to do with me do me a favor i want you to play one take kkk took my baby away and we've been covering it. we've been playing it live since american band came out because it just it just yeah. fits that and uh it had become strangely unfortunately timely you know yeah. and so we've been playing it and um so we literally it's one take live wow. on the floor yeah, it sounds uh, awesome we just set up a 58 for uh matt Patton. he sings lead vocal on our bass player and uh we had just cut the unraveling a little bit earlier that night so there was a 58 set up just for him to do a a live vocal uh scratch vocal for oh, and wow. That's the vocal on the on the take. That's the record. Fucking I mean, awesome. I mean, it makes one that, take. makes that only, even more punk rock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The only <laughs> overdub was uh, we all gathered around one microphone and did the gang vocals for the choruses right after right. we did the take. Nice. And the whole thing was less than 10 minutes. And, That's awesome. Uh, so when we were going through to put together the new OK, and I realized we had that it's already mixed even because we mixed all that stuff and i think we even mastered all that stuff from those sessions when we were putting together the unraveling and i was like man this is the this is this is an album this is the end this is the, yeah. the cherry yeah you know? it's great it actually reminds me of something else i wanted to bring up was in that podcast which i I'm, i wish i could remember the name of it i'm such an ass come on russ man but um because it's got i don't know it's something whatever but um you mentioned you were talking about because he was asking you about like uh what people try to label you guys as and you were talking and you sort of got into that discussion about genre and this is something luke and i struggle with all the time because folks don't know how to label us either and we, we we're not sure where we fit in as far as genre goes and i just loved in the new okay that you guys ended with that because it's like oh you you know you you just always are sort of playing with that and, and it reminds me a lot of neil too where yeah neil doesn't give a fuck about genre or whatever wow. you, you're gonna label him and and i really think that maybe that influence comes out in your music as well where you can't hold you guys down to any specific thing and i hate subgenres as far yeah. as to me they're limiting and uh you know, I, I guess they work for some bands that embrace that kind of thing, and that's fine. But it, it's never been where we are because, yeah. to me, we're a rock and roll band. And yeah. you know, if you can call us whatever you want to, uh, some of the things, the thing we get called the most is probably the thing I hate the most, which is being called Southern rock. Because mm -hmm. to me, it's just 
a redundant phrase for right. any band after 1977. And, you know, yeah. the only, the only way I'm comfortable with that is if you're also calling outcast and REM Southern rock and Tom Petty and the heartbreakers, yeah. if you call the three of them Southern rock, then you can call us that too. Yeah. But otherwise it just makes me cringe because I don't think of us as that, you know, we made an album about that, but, that don't mean that's what we are. You know, Neil Young, you know, Neil Young wrote a song about racist, but he's not a racist, you know, right. <laughs> he's right. just, you know, it's so. Uh, Neil Young he, uh, wrote a whole goddamn rockabilly album. <laughs> he's not he, a rockabilly. He, and he sure the fuck ain't rockabilly. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure he even was on that record, but. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, a good point. I, I love Neil, but uh Oh, here's a funny aside. Uh, we'll probably uh, to segue into Neil Young. When we were in Memphis recording, um, we had our our live sound engineer that tours with us. We used him as our as an assistant engineer and just our kind of he just helped us. He was our guy in the studio that week who just took care of everything for us. And he also drove us, we rented, all lived together for the week in this Airbnb we rented. And so he drove us back and forth. He was our designated driver too. And uh, uh, his name's Henry Barbie. He's David Barbie's son, mm -hmm. who's our producer. And uh, we love him. And, uh, and he was, water phase oh, so every, so every night coming back every God. night on the drive back to the house we listened to landing on the water the world, right up. world. <laughs> jesus luke was the only one of us that on actually enjoyed that email him ahead of time and tell him to mention landing on water no, i did not I yeah luke god, you I set something not. up didn't you i swear oh, to god i did not but landing on water fucking bag. rocks and i'll go i'll go down with this fuck whole you, fucking bro. ship telling please, you that landing on please, water please. fucking kicks ass fuck you guys all right uh, Be good. Henry, henry's henry's got your back on that uh, <laughs> uh I, henry's made me appreciate it more than I did, but I can't go as far as to say I actually really enjoy it. But uh, but Hen Henry can make a really valid argument in favor of landing on water being well, seriously you know, underrated. You know who else can is the producer, uh, Danny Korchmar. We talked to him, <laughs> and uh, we we didn't get off on the right foot too no, much because I immediately he told him it was the Neil Young's worst album ever, and he <laughs> you know nobody likes to hear they suck. And uh, he was like, well, I think it's one of the best things I've ever done in my career. I'm like, okay, you've worked with, with friggin' Simon and Garfunkel and James Taylor and, and Phil Collins and Jackson Brown, John Lennon, you know, and John Lennon. And that's really, you're putting landing on water up there with some of the best stuff you've ever done. Fuck. fuck that. <laughs> that's awesome. The oh, cooch. Dude. The cooch. Yeah. He, he was a, he was a cool guy, but we, but he didn't like hearing that, that, uh, that some of us didn't enjoy the record too much. Yeah. Right. But to, to his defense, who wants to hear that in the first 10 minutes yeah. of an interview? I just wanted to be upfront and honest, you know, and let him know where he was, the field he was playing on. Which, right, on, which on, brings on, us to uh, the, we, what we wanted to say was that none of us like drive by truck. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Gangsta Billy was, no, we, we only like Jason Isbell. We don't, we don't <laughs> just yeah, kidding. We're not alone. <laughs> let's, let's talk about, let's talk about Southern rock opera and why, why did you incorporate the, the legend? There's so many different stories around the, the legend and the back and forth between Neil Young and Leonard Skinnerd and their reaction to, to Alabama and stuff. So why was that like the, the starting point for Southern rock opera? 
it, it was a very much it was a very big part of the reason for there being Southern rock opera because it tied it into the civil rights struggle and uh, you know I mean I, I view that record as primarily kind of an examination of growing up in the post-civil rights South or the so-called post-civil rights South in the era of Wallace in the 70s. You know, my my first grade class was the second year of it being integrated at my school. Oh, wow. Uh, and, uh, that's how old I am. But, uh, but yeah, it was the, if I'd been a first grader a year earlier, it would have been the first year of an integrated first grade class. Wow. Oh my God. So, uh, so, you know, that's, that's not that long ago. And, and, and sadly, it's, you know, unfortunately, we progressed, we progressed quickly. And then we just stopped progressing. It was like, there was a point right after that where things really progressed. And then it just stopped, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we can get into bad mouth and Ronald Reagan, if you want to from there, but uh, we've done that for the past four episodes. So. <laughs> yeah. We've been in the, we're, we've we're been in the eighties for a while right now with these yeah. records. Yeah. So yeah. we've been done, doing our fair share of that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so it, it all tied in. Uh, I had the idea for the song way before I wrote the song, it got to a point to where we were zeroing in on time to make the record. And I still hadn't written the song. I had the name is Ronnie and Neil. Mm. I had the, the whole idea of it, but I hadn't actually sat down and actually made it happen. It's like, God damn, I need to write that fucking song, you know? And, mm. uh, and, but then I did, but then that week, I guess once I decided it's time to write the fucking song, I wrote it. And, uh, uh, I got real lucky with, uh, you know, it's weird because the writing of that album was one of the greatest experiences of my life. And uh, we had so much fun writing that album and mm. uh, the process behind it all was just amazing. And, and, uh, and a period of like really rapid growth, I think for all of us as artists. And, uh, and it was just a, a joyful thing. That's probably a big part of, why the band was able to do what it did and stayed together and all of that. Cause we would be on tour touring behind gangsta Billy and pizza deliverance and, and uh, Alabama ass whooping. And that's what we had. That's what we'd talk about. You know, when we get tired of all our cassettes and wanted to take a break from listening to the same box of cassettes or whatever, we would, uh, we would talk and we didn't want to sit around and talk about us, you know, or talk about, you know, how pissed off our wives were at home while we were out doing this, <laughs> which was probably what we would have been talking about. We would talk about the rock opera and, and it was fun to talk about. It was like, and we came up with some of the worst ideas you can imagine, <laughs> you know, I mean, there were some just horrifically bad ideas, some of which became songs and some of which made the record, you know, and, mm. uh, I mean, I think the record itself was a bad idea, which is kind of part of the beauty of it. And uh, so, because uh, on paper, it's an awful idea, you know, <laughs> nothing about it. It's a good idea. And, and we kind of reveled in that. I mean, we'd tell people about it. We'd stay, we were sleeping on people's floors back then. And, uh, you know, that was how we toured. We didn't, couldn't afford hotel, motel rooms. And, uh, and yeah, so we would. That's yeah, that's us right now. <laughs> yeah, so we, we crashed on floors. And so. When we could. Yeah. That became part of the show is like, we'd go back to their houses and we would regale them with stories about the rock opera. And then we'd watch <laughs> their eyes glass over. And at some point they would just go off to bed <laughs> and then, then we could get some sleep, you know? And, um, 
And so, because it was such a bad idea, and uh, and we loved that about it. <laughs> well, I say thank fucking God for that album, and not just Ronnie oh, and yeah. Neil. Ronnie and Neil, obviously, a fucking classic song, and we I think we touched on it pr- probably on the either the after the Gold Rush or the Harvest album, but also like there's stuff on that album where you talk about Neil even more that people don't talk about is a. Uh, three is it called three great alabama legends or icons Icons, yeah Uh, yeah. and that's a fucking history lesson in a song and it's shit that i didn't know about george wallace and a lot of shit because growing up in massachusetts you hear one thing and it was i don't know very eye-opening tune and also just so well done i like to say that growing up in massachusetts my education of the south was gone with the wind and the dukes of hazard and that's what i thought the south was until i moved down there Right. You know, so we had a very narrow view of what was going on in the South. So Southern rock opera really told a lot of stuff that, you know, that we weren't too familiar with and, you know, which made us and made me realize, well, that's kind of like how I grew up, you know, taking acid and going to see shows and, you know, sure. when I shouldn't Universal. be sneaking out of the house. Yeah. It's like, okay, well they were doing that too. And not everybody's a racist and no, you know, and I mean, you know, even, even today, you know, Trump, one Alabama by, I guess, what, 62% or something this time. I mean, some awful percentage. But then when you look at the numbers closer, you realize that that means Biden got about 40% of the vote. And 40% of a state that size, that's over a million people who feel as strongly against Trump as we do, you know, who, who, who went to, you know, went through the hell of voting during COVID in a state that didn't do a lot to make it easier for you to vote against that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and so to, to paint it all as one swath, I mean, yeah, the, the majority may be this, but the minority is still a lot of people, a lot of people who feel the way we do. And, yeah. uh, and so that's always kind of been our operating thing is, is, is this is who we're singing to and, and what we're singing about. And, you know, it's can't the do du- about the others. It's the duality of the Southern thing. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so we're, um, we're talking about, free, I mean, can we move on to freedom? Well, that- can I, yeah. before we do that, Yeah. I got to piss more than I've ever had to piss in my life. Can we take a <laughs> okay. break? Well, or we yeah. can, or if you guys are cool, just talk I just wanted to ask you one, a thing because you mentioned REM and then I wanted to bring up the Patterson hood in the downtown 13. And that's with Mike Mills, isn't it? Yeah. So that yeah. that must be a strange sort of thing to that you had. Are you? Do you guys still do stuff? Or oh, I wish. I hope at yeah. some point I'd love to do something else with him. God, what he did was beautiful on that yeah. song too. Uh, just the piano thing he put on there was just like uh, it, it, it was like God. I wish we had that on just the whole song. But uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm friends with I'm friends with those guys. You know, awesome. uh, I lived in Athens for 21 years and. Uh, you know, and there were there were a couple of moments there, particularly towards the end of it, where I had those moments where I was like, man, 19 year old me would not believe this is happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like that 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 19 year old me that would road trip to see REM, you know, wherever it took to see them because they sure didn't come to my town. And uh, it's not going to believe that I'm sitting here in their practice space watching them rehearse to get inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. or seeing them play a friend's wedding at a bowling alley, Crazy. which that was uh, an, <laughs> that was the original REM lineup right. in like 
2006, 2007, you know, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, they, they were one of those, those bands that, you know, when you talk about, you mentioned Southern Rock. Yeah. And that kind of changed, that, they're one of the bands that kind of changed all that along with, you know, other bands from Athens like the B-52s and yeah. like Pylon, you know, and, and bands like that. What were some of the other bands around that time? Well, were those were the bands that changed my perception of where I was. I mean, you know, I was the kid growing up that couldn't wait to get the fuck out of my hometown, which is really ironic because I was 30 before I actually succeeded. But uh, I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of my hometown. It's like, I mean, at, at, at 11 years old, if you'd asked me, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to New York City as soon as I can, you know, and then I, I still hadn't, you know, lived in New York. But uh, so I... So, so it was, it was strange, but, but REM in particular, but to, a, to a, another extent, you know, the North Carolina bands of that era, Let's Active and uh, DBs, who I loved, still mm. love the DBs and yeah. uh, B-52s, Pylon, all those bands really shaped my perception of being a musician in the South. And, uh, you know, that tying in with, of course, you know, the Muscle Shoals history, you know, which I, I am. I've always been fiercely proud of that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, all of that was a, a much, a very big part of, you know, shaping what we wanted to do, you know, way, way more than, way more than, you know, Leonard Skinner, who, you know, I'm not bad mouthing it, but cause I love, I love those old records, but, but, you know, they didn't, they didn't speak to me as a teenager like REM did. Yeah. Right. right. Well, Luke, do you, do you want to get into uh do you want to get into freedom? So badly do I want to get into freedom. Um, but do you guys do you guys want to take a break? I feel bad. I just I just pissed for 5 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is long may you young, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Pat- Patterson, like we don't want to keep you either. Like we don't want to like dominate your time. I mean, uh, how much time do we have with you? Um, I'm 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 fine right now. I'm fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's hit it. Let's hit it. Yeah. We usually this is this will probably be the part where we go sort of song by song and and get into the record. But so that, I guess it's sort of up to you if you want to be here for this. <laughs> I mean, we're we're, we're uh, I'll hang in there. I love I love freedom. Freedom, freedom's a really important record to me, and uh, uh, I it was an important record for what I was doing musically at that moment in time too, because mm-hmm. in 89, I was still playing with Cooley who I still play with in Adam's house cat, our band. Yep. That was our eighties, our ill-fated eighties band. that was a dismal failure on every front. And, uh, can you find that still? I didn't, I didn't look into it too much. To it find came it. out. It our album that we made finally came out three years ago. And, uh, so it, is it like, can I find it on Spotify or something? It is, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's called I, mean, I got, I got to find that. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm proud. I love that record. Yeah. I'm super proud of it. But we were, we were going through a, a period of probably thinking about breaking up, even uh, when, when Freedom came out, and I was delivering pizzas for Godfather's <laughs> Pizza, uh, and uh, uh, and Cooley was cooking pizzas for Godfather's Pizza, and. Uh, 
Freedom came out, and that's what I had playing in my car while I was delivering pizzas. Just, I mean, pizza I, deliverance, pizza deliverance, you know. Yeah. And uh, and I became just obsessed with it. And I'd grown up around Neil Young. My dad, my dad was a huge Neil Young fan. I'd grown up, you know. Of course, Dad was a bigger fan of the Harvest. Uh, the Harvest after the Gold Rush stuff was the well. Stuff. Your dad was a session guy, right? Right, right. So he yeah. liked the stuff that was, you know, less rowdy and punk rock probably than the stuff that really affected me. But, uh, but we had a lot of common ground in our love for Neil Young, but, you know, and of course, you know, the eighties, you know, those records tried, you know, even hardcore Neil Young fans patience. And uh, so I'd definitely gotten out of the habit of freedom was the freedom, man. Freedom was the freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, then I saw him do rocking in the free world on Saturday night live, like yeah. everyone else in that era with that, you know, with Steve Jordan and all of them backing him up. And I mean, I became obsessed and, uh, and my soundtrack for that fall were Lou Reed's New York record and Neil Young's freedom. And it's oh, like, yeah. man, there's this like, it's like, you know, rock and roll is back, baby. Rock and roll is back. You know, it's like, it's socially relevant. It's important. And, and, you know, I, I think it energized our band. I think it energized that house cat into moving, into moving forward. I can remember going over to Cooley's house the night I bought freedom or his apartment and uh, cranking it up and crime in the city playing, you know, and, and uh, then what's the song after crime in the city? Don't Um, cry. Yeah, don't cry. Yeah. And what's the one after that? What's the one that's got that just abyss sounding guitar? It's like the don't cry. Yeah, don't cry. cry When the guitar just comes in and it's just like Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, don't cry. (laughs) I just remember when that happened, the look on Cooley's face, and we just like pushed the button and started it over. It's like, oh we got it's like, oh, it's oh it's go time. This it's it's that kind of record, you know? And uh don't so cry. The, you, oh, you're gonna so you know so you're gonna think we're making this up, but it sounds like what you're saying is that Neil Young saved your band. Yeah, <laughs> and sure, of um, this is you're gonna literally think that we're fucking with you. Neil Young actually saved me and Luke's our, our band. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, la- it was last year we were going through a pretty tumultuous time. Two years ago, Russ, man, you lose track of time. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, well, this year doesn't, it's all fucked. This year's but a anyways, wash. That's a good point. Two years ago, we were in this pretty, you know, really strange time. We lost a couple band members and it seemed like things were unraveling. And, uh, <laughs> and um, we started covering, well, we, we'd always sort of covered Neil Young, but we, we, Russ, this wasn't, this was the first Neil cover we did. We covered the band. We covered Petty. We had never, so we're, we're not a cover band, Patterson. We're, we no, do we're, all we're original music, music but, but every we're once throwing in a while. Co- like yeah. anyone, we're throwing a cover if we enjoy yeah. it. And, uh, but we, we, me and Russ have loved Neil Young forever, but like halfway through this year, we just all learned two years down ago. by the river. Oh, sorry. Two years ago. We all learned down by the river at the same time, like weirdly enough. And, uh, shit just hit the fan and it hit it hard and we we had booked like any band six months out and we knew we had to finish these shows with these certain band members and so we would go to some of these shows we were playing in michigan we we actually played in portland for the first time i don't even remember the place one of the mcmenamin's places i don't even remember where it was but uh but we started playing down by the river and some of us weren't even talking to each other, but then when we played this song, we just fucking like zoned into each other. And you know that, 
You know that feeling when you, uh, you know, you're playing for the, you're playing for the crowd, you're playing off the crowd, it's going back and forth, but then that you hit a moment where you don't give a shit anymore, and it's just who you are on stage, and you and you just fucking you lose your you lose focus of everything else, and we started really, I don't know, it was it was yeah, it's like all the bullshit that we had personally between each other, especially because we're three of us are brothers in the band, yeah. And, yeah, no. and so hearts, man. <laughs> yeah, so man. so a lot of that it was like this moment every time we fucking played neil where it all just like melted away i know it's yeah. cliche but like it just he really fucking brought us back to to remembering that it's it's the music you know and right. and and so it's it's so crazy to hear you say that neil yeah. sort of had that same not i mean obviously it's different but it's different yeah it seems like what you're saying is that neil was a big influence on kind of bringing you into a different direction with the band that sort of saved it in a way right so. yeah absolutely it, it it listening to that record made a lot of the different loose ends of the different things we were trying to do or be it tied them all it made them all make sense that we didn't have to pick one or the other. It's like, wait a minute, this is what it is. It's right. this is this is do this, you know, yeah. and 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 so, uh, you know, and it was a like Lookout Mountain, which is a trucker song, or was actually originally a, a uh, an Adam's House Cat song, and uh, I wrote it that following summer. I wrote it in the summer of ninety. I'm, I guarantee I wouldn't have written that song if I hadn't spent, you know, nine months or so listening to Freedom. And, uh, and of course, you know, listening to freedom made me go back and start listening to other Neil Young records that I'd either listened to as a kid and hadn't heard since or had missed, you know, I, I kind of, you know, I can remember my dad playing tonight's the night when I was 10, but 10 year olds not going to get tonight's the night. Right. Or 26 year old might get tonight's the night you know like when i first heard that i was 16 i was like i don't know i don't really i don't get why people think this is great and then like you know 10 years later yeah i was like oh shit man some shit yeah yeah no let's get into it well freedom to me and i think i said this a little bit before you hopped on patterson it sounds so we we were in the 80s for i think the past 35 years it felt like we were on his right. 80s albums right. yeah. <laughs> that's what it felt like being a Neil young fan in <laughs> yeah. yes. but so getting the freedom and hearing i just think neil neil just thrives at the the end slash beginning of a new decade he just fucking yeah. murders it and well, you 69, 79 89 yeah those three in particular yeah. are, i mean those are you know, other than the trilogy, those are probably the three most important years of Neil Young's catalog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it, it finally, especially after going through Everybody's Rockin' and Trans and Landing on Water and This Note's For You, and I even like This Note's For You, but it this is, I feel, I feel like we finally are back at Neil not trying to fit into a specific style of music. And I get all the Geffen shit, but like you start with an acoustic version of, of everybody's rocking and then you get there's another acoustic song and then you get to don't cry which fucking did i what did i say you said everybody's rocking rocking in the free world oh, shit, but, but yeah but but it just it feels like he's not trying to like write an album he's just like i like this song and i like this song it just feels like a neil young record again to me and i think he said that yeah he did he said that uh to rolling stone he said he just wanted to make a neil young record just me where there was no persona there was no image and no distinctive character Right. And we've been waiting through the 80s. I mean, or at least since 
I guess you could say since reactor yeah, you know, for him to, to start doing that again. And he also said something, he said, you destroy what you did before and you're free to carry on. And I think yeah. that, you know, he, he successfully did that. He yeah. tried very hard to alienate what he had, uh, the crowd he had built and the, the legacy he had, the reputation he had. And I think he, he did that. And I, I think this is the product of that. And I think freedom, he took some of the things that he experimented with the horns and, you know, maybe yeah. some of the electronic stuff, just little bits here and there. Yeah. And he applied it to freedom. So maybe the eighties, he, he took what he learned. It was oh, like sure. stock of what he did in the eighties and said, I'll use all these parts that work the best. In my for opinion. sure. You know, freedom would not have happened if he hadn't made all of those records. And including the ones that probably did the ones that he, that were even so fucked up, he didn't put them out, you know, all of that entered into him being able to make freedom, you know, and, and to, to give like a, a contemporary, a more contemporary uh, comparison. I think the new flaming lips records like that, like, like I, I've, mm. I, I love the new flaming lips record a lot. And, and I think the records they've made for the last about 11 years, a lot of which I really didn't enjoy personally as a, as a person who is a big flaming lips fan for a long time. Some of those records, I just, they just weren't for me. But now when I hear their new record, it's go, there's no way that record would have happened if they hadn't spent 11 years making those other records, you know, it's right. like it, 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 it enabled them to do that. And that's a good lesson to remember if you're going to be an ongoing artist is that, you know, yeah. Sometimes you have to be willing to make those, to make those land, to land on water in <laughs> order to, <laughs> in order to have your ragged glories and freedom. It's like right. a, it's like the fucking, the Buddhist suffering, you know, is, is yeah. the freedom, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like yeah. Neil, Neil is the perfect example of, of a Buddhist teaching, you know what I mean? Yep. You really have to suffer through the fucking eighties <laughs> to get to some go. freedom, you know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, do you guys want to start? You want to hop in song by song here? Or you want to? Uh... Yeah. All right. Yeah, uh, so just for you guys, it's going to sound warbly when I play it. Okay. So just don't, you don't have to comment on it. Russ, I'm looking at you right. in particular. I'm going to overdub all this shit. Yeah. Right. Sure. Here we go. That's like the perfect example of what everything we were just saying, because the things we've brought up in the past few episodes, when we were going through the eighties, he kind of mentions all those things, like with the people on the street thing and the shuffle. And that's feet. the first thing I, I you know thought was the people he talks street. about, he talks about shuffling his feet again, right, <laughs> fucking yeah, people on the street famous. again, but it's like actually fucking good. And then you have like the hook of all fucking hooks. It's yeah. so good. It's so good. 
My favorite thing about this song is how ironically it's used constantly. Yeah. Like, not to go well, back to the same. We can't not talk about the whole Trump thing. The whole we, Trump thing. It's like right. everyone thinks this is some patriotic anthem, and it's like, no, it's not. It's right. not that. Born anymore. in the USA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mike said that right when we started off. Mike brought up Born in the USA. Yeah, it's 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 funny. I think you know a theme. Like sometimes Russ brings up with the with the album that there's a theme through the album, and something I picked on picked up on on freedom is that there's a price for everything, right? Mm. And so wow, you know, this no. song came out of him and Poncho watching uh, Iranians protest on TV, and Poncho going. Uh, let's not tour anywhere near the Middle East. Let's just keep rocking in the free world. And Neil was like, yeah, yeah. And so we've got what we call a perfect system or a better system than others than the Iranians or whatever, but there's a price for that. And he, right. and he mentions that price in this song and the electric version too. He, he kind of expands on it with another verse. But that's the theme I got from Freedom is Absolutely. that there's like a price that. for everything. Way and, to take my thing, shoe. I'm sorry. That's this, that's one of the, it hit me like just a few. few no, that's great. Ago. I love it. I love years it. of listening to this. I'm like, Oh yeah, there's like a price attached to everything. Right. You know, and, and rocking in the, the free world, it's free, but there's a price, you know, does and, anyone know where the, where that lawsuit's at right now? No. Or is it just probably oh, the just Trump, uh, the Trump lawsuit? Yeah. Uh, Cause I know he went forward with it and it's, yeah. it's, it's going. Somewhere. Yeah. I haven't heard anything else about that. Yeah. But I just think I, it's it's so funny. I don't know. Like it, it just I don't know why it bothers me, because I know music and art is subjective. But it, the whole using this as a fucking political patriotic song is so, it's just weird to me. It's like it's so obvious from the get go that it's not that. But you know what, Luke? It's it's the story of like America and social media. Everybody's reading the headline but they're not clicking on the article. Yeah. Okay. They're not, they're There's not, also the fact that you know. most of the people who make those decisions are fucking idiots. Yeah. It's like, right. yeah. They're not, and right. actually I think Patterson in, in on the new, okay, you have a song where you have a line where it says, I think it's something like boys too stupid to actually be proud or something like right. that, which is a great line. It's a great line. And that's, that's sort of what, what I, I'm thinking about right now. It's like people, some people are just fucking, they don't, they don't want, they don't care. It's it's yeah. a hook, and they hear they hear free world and rocking, and and that's all they need. You know what I mean? Ray and, Davies talked about that, and Ray Davies. There was a great interview in the New York Times about a week ago with Ray Davies. It's the 50th anniversary of Lola, and, uh, oh, wow. and he was talking. They were talking about Jesus. you know how groundbreaking the subject matter of that song was, and and you know how timely it is 50 years later right now with the whole you know trans stuff and everything with uh, uh with Lola. It's like you know how how did you get away with that? And it's like it's like it's like it had a catchy hook. No one listens to the words right. verses. It had a yeah, catchy yeah. hook. Everybody's going low 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 low. You know they're not paying attention to the fact that you know some. <laughs> You know, it could be some homophobic redneck dude, and he's not paying yeah. attention to the right. fact that it's that you know Lola's a dude dressed as a girl. He don't, yeah. you know, and they're yeah. all the same guys that are big fans of Queen. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know had I mean? no idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. 
Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that he, much like Russ Never Sleeps, he opens up with this acoustic version yeah. and ends with like yeah. the seriously heavy. Well, and he's been wanting to do that. He loves that. He loves yeah. doing that shit. And this is like one of the best examples of it, I think. But. Is this the third or fourth time he did that on a record? I think it's the third. I think I it's think only this. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. Oh, tonight's the night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then. Yeah, but I don't think that's technically right because didn't he? It wasn't acoustic and electric. It, they were similar, but one was definitely there was some jams yeah. in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But he bookended. Yeah. yeah, he likes doing that. He, he likes, likes doing the bookends. That's like his way of making it. Like this is the complete work. You yeah. know, starting, ending. He has the. So the I have a question, Shu. You might know this. Is this the, one of the first times people have heard this song? In the live audience as well, would that would this be yeah, like? He did, a, he did uh he did a tour after he made the El Dorado EP, which has a couple of songs on Freedom from that, right. and it was full on electric. Yeah, but and it didn't have rocking in the free world, right? He did, well, he said he wanted to get back to his acoustic side because he wanted to just feel the music, just him, and so yeah, this was recorded at Jones Beach in New York before. Yeah, obviously freedom came out. So he did like a couple of acoustic tours to try out some tunes and get back in touch with his Neil Young acoustic side. Right. Wow. Apparently before this came out. And I love the uh, I love the crowd at the end of this too when yeah. he's doing those guitar hits and everyone's singing along. It's fucking it's so good, and you can just really hear him like fucking slamming on that that guitar. Yeah. And the yeah, harmonica I, too I, in this. The harmonica. Yeah. Can I ask you guys? I mean, what's that feeling like? when people are singing along to something you wrote like yeah. word for word there's I fucking mean, nothing like it mike i'm, gonna, I'm not gonna yeah, lie to you it's awesome. fucking great it's, it's, yeah it's doing it and stuff like you're talking about lola you know i mean i can't imagine what ray davies thinks like thirty thousand people singing that song <laughs> yeah you know that's that's just like mind-blowing to me it's as a non-musician yeah you know? it's it's pretty wild it's pretty great and especially like the first time it happens, like when Luke and I were, we started off playing in like a little coffee shop and stuff, and you just have like, you know, maybe tops 10 people. Right. But at this point, they've heard the song a couple of times, and now they're like, they picked up on it, and they sing it, and you're like, wow, I could get used to this. Well, you make, you make milestones in your head. So your first one is like, I would like people to recognize, like I would like someone from my town to like recognize it. Then your next one's like, I'd like people to sing along to a song that I wrote. And then the ultimate one for me is I would like Weird Al to, to parody one of my songs. <laughs> that's when you know you made it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's right, really, that's uh, Crime in the City. Well, yes. and before we do that, I do want to mention there is a pretty decent cover on YouTube of this song. It's by this band called the Drive By Truckers. Really? It's There's like 20,000 yeah. different uh, videos of you guys covering this song. So why yeah, did... We, we've been known to... <laughs> is this the, is this the only neil song because there's a bunch of videos on youtube of you guys covering this do you cover any other neil or is it just this one pretty much i feel like we've done i mean as one-offs through the years playing with someone else or whatever i'm sure we have i know we i know somewhere out there is uh us with a bunch of guys from Slobberbone doing cortez the killer oh fuck and, yeah uh, and uh, and maybe me sitting in with Slobberbone doing Cinnamon Girl and okay there there there's there's got to be some floating around but uh, but as far as like on any kind of an ongoing basis you know we don't play a lot of covers but this mm. song is is such a you know I don't know when we did it first but I know that when we did that tour we toured with the whole steady in two thousand and eight we did this like cross-country month-long tour 
co-heading with them. And then we would, for the, for the encore of the, whoever was headlining, because it went back and forth every other night, whoever was headlining, we would all come out together for at least a song or two. And Rockin' in the Free World kind of became a big part of that. And uh, then at some point after the election of 2016, it just kind of started getting played again. I think mm. we played it. Actually, we played Philly the night after the election. If I remember correctly, we ended with it that night because it's just anything to make us feel better that right. night. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so it's it's kind of it's kind of come back and forth. Nice. Yeah. Well, I love it. If you haven't uh, listened to it, youngsters, check out. Uh, Sorry, I'm going through my notes here. <laughs> you know, we'll post the video. One of yeah, the we should. On the longmayyouyoungpodcast.com website. Absolutely. All yeah. right. All right. Crime in the City, 60 to 0, Part 1. I love Crime in the City. <laughs> is there a Part 2? I don't know. I don't think there is. Oh. Maybe when the Archive Part 3 comes out, it'll be right. out there. I don't know. <laughs> We've, we've, we, I'll wait out till after. We've talked ad nauseum about part two. It's so fucking good. Well, I can't make the show down. He was sure he was right. He had all of the lowdown from the bank ice last night. So you hear that? Yeah. What does that remind you of? I don't know what computer age. No, it no. Yes, it does. I just love where he goes, killers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I gotta fade it for another minute here. You know, Russ, I, you hear computer age in that. That blew my yeah. mind right there. But I think there's this, it's that same. Do, 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 do. Am yeah. I wrong? No, you know what I a hear too? Bit. I hear that, like a like all along the watchtower. I also hear like a dire straits sultans of swing sort of thing too. Yes, yeah, sultan got that vibe. Definitely yeah. dire straits for sure. Um, there's I a also, couple songs on this record that have like a dire straits sort of feel to me. I also th- one thing that that made me realize Neil's back is the fact that this song is fucking nine and a half minutes or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> and he's like, I love, I love that. I love that last trip to Tulsa. I'm keeping in everything that I wrote. I love that shit. Right. And I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I like the song a lot. I love that song. I yeah. love it. And, and the only thing I might love more is the live version on Weld, which is, uh, oh, yeah. I haven't um, heard that yet. And that, where he just plays the living fuck out of it. And it's <laughs> you know, turned up to 12. And, uh, uh, I, I love that. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a very top favorite. You know, it's probably top twenty favorite Neil songs. Which yeah, a top oh, wow. twenty Neil song is a you know yeah yeah because there's a lot there's a lot that could go into that. Yeah, yeah, there is. It's it's kind of a continuation of Life in the City almost from yeah. you know this the, notes the, for the, you, yeah. which is the song you hated, Luke. But um, did I hate it? You I said did hate you, it. you cut it. Every every was album, that my cut song? You would cut yeah, it was to make and the album. Me and better. she were like, "Why would you do that?" I don't yeah. think that was my cut song. But I, it's kind of reminds me that kind of a it's I don't want to call it a laundry list, but it's just like a list of issues, you know, that he's covering. In this case, it's like 
you know, the cops feel like it's better to, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, you know, we're, we're probably safer and we'll get paid more if we work with the drug dealers, you know, or something like that. And then that verse about, um, the producer, the producer verse. Yeah. That is like, to me, it's like, he's saying that we have no, we don't value art Right. In the U.S. We don't value artists. Which is more true than ever now. Right. And he's like, saying, he's saying that like, you know, find a, we don't, we have a song, but we don't have a singer. We don't have any work. You know, basically we have a song, but we don't have a song. Go find a songwriter, but make sure he's hungry. Yeah. Make sure he's <laughs> Which is so good. It's so good. And he's at his most vulnerable. So we can just yeah. rob his ass so and take good. his fucking song. You know, it's just, we devalue the artist right there. You know, that's, that's what I got out of that verse. Anyway, I can tie that to ambulance blues. And uh, I think there's definitely a link between Ambulance Blues, which is my second favorite Neil Young. I was going to say that's up there. That's in my top five probably. It's it's my number two. And and I actually just did a thing about songwriting, about my favorite songs on a a different podcast about a week ago. And and I had to make a list of nine songs. And the Neil Young song I put on that list was Ambulance Blues. Uh, and they're like, well, what's your favorite? And it's like, well, Cortez is my favorite. I love Cortez. Cortez, Cortez speaks to me on a really personal level beyond just about anything ever by anybody. But as far as if I was going to talk about the songwriting on a podcast, Ambulance Blues is my number two song and it seems like a Mm. better song to discuss. But uh, yeah, right. Yeah. But I, don't know. I think there's there's so much, there's so much I love it when he rambles. I love I love the way he rambles. I love the fact that Pocahontas somehow brought up Marlon Brando. I mean, I just I love that. <laughs> you know, it's like that that his ramble is to me what makes him my very favorite is the oh, ramble. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if we've talked have we done our number one and I know it's changes fucking all the time, but like no, that's have we talked about our number one? Like the end, man. We gotta wait for. Well, the my end. number one right now is Powderfinger, and it's been that for a couple of years now. I love Powderfinger. It's so fucking good. Yeah. My number one is People on the Street from Landing on Water. <laughs> God. If I wanted to drive into a telephone pole, that You're would an be idiot. A song that You're I would a fucking want. idiot. To make sure my head went through the windshield. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait for five years from now, Mike, when you actually really do love that album. Because no. you've talked about that album more than any other album that we've covered. Yeah, we're on episode 30 funny. right now. Yeah, that's when I know I have dementia. Absolutely. I don't know. I mean, my, my, my t- thing for me, it's just I'll always love Don't Let It Bring You Down. Castle yeah, Don't well, Let It Bring You Down. It's some, it's one of my, but anyway, uh, it's, it's funny you mentioned um, All Along the Watchtower 2 shoe because I also wrote that it's got a little bit of like the, the, the way he's sort of storytelling. It reminds me a little bit of hurricane, the Bob Dylan mm. tune. Okay. You know? Yeah. He's got sort of that, the way he tells the story has got that sort of vibe to it. Um, I also love the percussion in this. And then, yeah. the set, and then you, you mentioned how he sort of built off of this notes for you. And like this song, I think he really mm. incorporates the sax really well. Right. And the yes. horn. blue notes are on this one. Well, yeah, cause it's sparse. I, it's like, it feels yeah. like he took, he went through the eighties and he took tiny little pieces of what he liked. Mm-hmm. And the sax in this is fucking great. It's perfectly placed. It's not overdone. It doesn't feel like the fucking tonight show band. It's just fucking right. It's just right there. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So and and that that's also Ben Keith, right? Is is playing because he must have been is in it? that. Um, 
I don't know if he's playing horns on this track. I don't think he is. I don't is. know if that's him doing the sax solo either. I know he brought the boom. I didn't back. know any of this. Yeah, Ben Keith played sax on Everybody's Rockin', and then he made Ben Keith play horns in the blue notes, and he also made his guitar tech, Larry Craig, play the sax, who knew how to play the sax a little bit, and he yeah, made so him play it. with the blue notes because yeah. we call that being nilsed. Yep. Yeah. On, on, uh, after the gold rush, Nils Lofgren went across the country to, to get, because Neil said, come by and I'll get you a record deal and stuff. And he said, hey, listen, play on after the gold rush. And Nils thought he was going to play guitar. And, and he said, no, I want you to play piano. And Nils was like, well, I'm not too familiar. You know, I mean, I can't. Yeah. Well, we talked to Nils. Well, we talked, we, yeah, we interviewed he Nils. And he, at all. I mean, he knew how to play the piano, but yeah. he wasn't prepared to play piano on a Neil Young album. Right. And then he made one of the most iconic fucking piano parts because yeah. ever, right ever yeah yeah because yeah. I mean Nils when Nil like in Southern man like Miller, Nils is responsible for that change yeah. which is fucking awesome. Well, well, Neil, Neil's right to do that. He's right to do that. And I tell you, you know, and and Dylan might have been an influence there too because Dylan. I mean, Al oh, Cooper sure. wasn't a keyboard player <laughs> until yeah. until. Until like a Rolling Stone, you know, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was there hoping to score a gig playing guitar because he was friends with a producer. And then, you know, and then he saw, you know, was it Mike, was it Bloomfield, who, who, you know, setting, whoever it was setting up, like, no, it was, uh, who was a guitar player on like a Rolling Stone? He, he saw, saw him I, setting up and he's like, oh, I guess I won't be playing guitar today. And then he's, you know, watching them kind of work up the song and he sat down at the, <laughs> sat right, down at the organ. Lord, sure. That's why it has that little, that kind of little behind kind oh, of, yeah. yeah. And it works so well with it. Yeah. It works out like perfect, which is amazing. Yep. Yeah, yep. you were right. It's, it was Michael Bloomfield. You're right. Bloomfield. Yeah, he's like guitar. Yeah. Uh, I thought um, I had it right, and the second I said it, it was like, oh wait, you doubted yourself. <laughs> it's that. It's the other one. That, it's the harmonica player that I always get their names mixed up, and I was I'm fucking up. So. Hey Patterson, you got it right. How does it feel? <laughs> That's Jesus. loop right there. King of the dad jokes. Well, I got five um, kids. What do you want me to do? Did you ever run into? Did you ever n meet or know Ben Keith at all? Patterson. I don't think so. Because yeah. he was uh, a session like, guy. Like hero. God, he's he my he, crazy. He played on fucking Patty. Mm -hmm. I know. Patsy Klein's crazy for Christ's this sake. Pod, this podcast Did he really? has has, yeah. has sparked my like deep fucking love. You can ask yeah. these guys. I Russ has got a serious heart ben on for Keith ben after Keith. after doing this podcast. And I didn't really know about him before we started doing this podcast. And now I, I'm like, oh, I'm fucking obsessed shit. with him, dude. He's, he's a shit. He's you know, amazing. You know who will never get over it? It's Neil. I yeah, mean, yeah, I know. You know. I know for years he said there would never be another pedal steel on a Neil Young record. And, I, 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 you know, hopefully those promise for the real boys will, you know, maybe yeah. make him rethink that or something because those guys are amazing with it. Those guys they were the band, the show. I was, was going to ask you. Yeah, there's too much to cover, but I was going to oh ask you about because yeah. me and Luke saw him with them and it was like, holy. that was my first time seeing Neil was with Promise of the Real. Oh my God. Amazing. Holy shit. So far. And Lucas God, is just, he's just yeah, he's yeah. just incredible. But yeah, if I was, if we were ever to interview Neil, I would, I would 100% ask him about ben keith for sure what the fuck if we ever interview neil what the hell like what are we gonna even talk to him about at this point you know what i'm gonna talk to him about landing on water vocal part in the middle of people on the street and no you're not gonna you're definitely not gonna bring that up in there 
All right, let's move on here. Wait, 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 hold on. I want to do a, a right. quick rust thing because I haven't done one of these. Want me to go to a specific part of the song? Yeah, a specific part where there's a weird noise. And I also wanted to point out the sax. So go to 302 and then around 306, listen, because there's like a weird, like, yup noise or something. It's like a. I know exactly what you're talking about. All right, yeah. ready? Hold on. I heard it. You hear it? I heard it, yeah. Like, meh. It's like a fucking frog popped into the studio. It's like a ring. Well, listen to that sax. It was Giuliani came by and farted. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Giuliani fart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh, it's it also <laughs> it's also a really cool change in, in the middle of the song too, which is which is which is awesome. But let's We're, move on. To, to I can go. I can go to it no, if you want, Russ. No, We're only on. on Freedom once, and I'm happy to linger on this album. I just like the change. It's a, people can listen at home. It's at like four thirty eight ish. There's like a cool change. But all right, people listen at home. People on the street yeah, listen at home. Homework. People. All right. <laughs> all right, don't cry. Let's do it. All right, this is. I'm, I'll spoil it. This is my number one on the album right here. Wow. Is that synth? No. It might be. I don't know. You're talking about the pipe hit? It's not synth. No. I don't think so. This song must have some kind of synth or keyboard with that. This song fucking rips. We're not even going to get to the point where. Well, no, we'll cut to it. Yeah, we'll cut to it. Russ, I love this too right here. Yeah. Reminds me a little bit of some of the Roger Waters singing yeah. uh, on the yeah. wall. Yeah, yeah. And he's just really losing it towards the right. end of like, around side four of the wall. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so good. Because before I know, uh, I forget what song it was, they ripped the studio door off and they, oh, that was for, um, no, that was, that was um, on Rust Never Sleeps. Yes. Yeah. So, where, where fucking Ralph was like smashing the door. Yeah, he's hitting the door. Uh, studio yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammer. Yeah, to emphasize the beat there. But um, yeah, this is... But I mean, um, even those big, some of these big sounds in here, I'm like, they must be emphasized with some sort of like synth or keyboard or something. Right. I don't think they are. And I don't even think... So this is where... Okay. Well, how's, so, he, how's he hitting... I mean, what... I mean, it's not just drums and guitar that's hitting that fucking... You talking about the that like synthesize noise at the end? I think that's the same shit he does, like in uh, Reactor and even in um, fucking Letters from Nam. What's the fucking actual song? Oh, um, Long Walk Home. Long Walk Home. It's the same shit. I think he's doing it on his guitar. But it. So I hated it in Long Walk Home. I love. I well, this love. Is, yeah, it this album's this another another like we've been saying a perfect. This like is you, where like you, you do said, that. Patterson. He had it, all that suffering through the eighties. Now we we have this album where it's, it's mm. all a culmination of all that, that he's sort of, I guess, learned going yeah. through that. And now he's incorporated all of those elements in this album. And you really start like, like we said with the sax. And now I think whatever that sound is, that's going on in this song, whatever those sounds are. Right. It's, it's really like fucking, I can, oh, this works. You know, I can now, try to, okay, if you yeah, give me a second, working. I can try to find where it is. Do you know like where I didn't, I didn't write it down, but it right, comes hold, in. Hold on. Pretty, what, the guitar part? Yeah. Do you have anything? Well, no, it's just like the, the just the, it's at the end, especially. Give, give me a second here. Hold on. Right here. Ready? This is the. Uh, 
that is my favorite Neil Young sound. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That sound. Like, I, I, you know, everybody knows this is nowhere. There are some great sounds on there, but this is where he achieved full Neil Young. That sound like when he, he solos, it's, he could carve canyons out with yeah. the sound of his guitar. Yeah. Oh, you God, know, so yeah. Like just, it's just bashing your head in, and it's so distorted and over the top, and yet he still is able to control it. Yeah, and I want to shout out fucking Chad Cromwell on the drums. And as yes. much as I love Ralph Molina, the fucking solo and the way that Chad is playing off and the, what you're saying here with his with Neil's guitar playing, shoo, I think Chad does a fucking kick-ass job drumming in this. In this I agree. It, is he from? Is he the guy from the Blue Notes? Yes. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Chad yeah. Cromwell and Rick Roses, who originally Joe Walsh's rhythm section i guess so, and he's credited as rick the bass player right <laughs> as all bass players you know are but yeah that guitar sound and he carries he, he just ref, he's been refining that all these i mean you talk about ragged glory and weld especially on weld and if you listen to that arc album he put out which was all the feedback experiments yeah from that tour i just love that i love how it just starts breaking up and crumbling you know, yeah. it's just it's awesome. So, so after, well, you don't, hey, don't cry about it though. <laughs> okay, I won't cry. So after after going through all the '80s albums that we did, and some highs, some lows, whatever. This song, obviously, "Rocking the Free World," everyone knows, and then uh, "Crime in the City," great song. And but this one, to me, like I had, I literally had to pull over the first time. Oh yeah, I, I re-listened to it because it's so perfectly Neil, and it's so perfectly. Where he doesn't just tell he the lyrics are very simple, but they're very deep. But then he tells you shit in the guitar breaks. He tells you shit like in between the lyrics, and it like I was like, oh my god, that this is why we're doing this podcast. I was right. so because dude, it felt like we were fucking trudging through the eighties, and now and again, I like some of those albums. I didn't like some of them. Fucking Neil, man. But here we go. Like, don't cry. I can't, I don't, I don't even know what to say. Sorry. Well, this, this was actually based on a story told to him by Nico Bolas, who had, who was going to get married to this woman. And at the last minute, like she dumped him. Oh, really? Apparently he had a nervous breakdown about it. Yeah. And, and he was telling Neil about it. They were driving around his ranch and he was telling Neil about it. And Neil said that, well, he said, I, I had a nervous breakdown about it. And Neil went, well, that's great because that means you're alive. And you can still feel something. He was trying to spin it. But, and Nico Bola said he had a really hard time like working mm. on the song and mixing it because it kept bringing up those emotions and stuff. So was that story the um, influence for Wedding Singer? <laughs> right. Stupid. <laughs> Fucking Neil, man. Yeah. Let's move on because I actually really love this, this next tune. Okay.
So that's like the return of Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, I love it. It's fucking, work I think it's so beautiful. It works. It reminds me of the guitar playing in Thrasher a little bit. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's beautiful, interwoven, you know, into each other. Yeah, I like this I, I think it's gorgeous. I I love the them singing together. And I just think it's it's a really pretty, beautiful song and and I love the lyrics. I love everything about it. I, I agree. Yeah. Again, and, and it kind of like says there's a price for everything. Yeah. You know, and, and I found, you know, whatever, I found my soulmate or I found a real love and it's bringing me freedom, but it's maybe at, at, a, at a price of someone yeah. else. You yeah. Know? I just love that, like, taught him how to dance. You know, I just, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Something about that was fucking so, oh, yeah. so beautiful. But anybody, anybody else have anything on this song? Anything I love this song, but... N- Nothing. Uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. same. Kind of love it. El Dorado, then. All right, yeah, here we go. Let's move on to El Dorado. Oh, yeah. Part of the podcast where I that I hate that I have to fade the songs out because I just want to listen to them. Yeah. In the crystal ball, the gypsy sees a villa. Listen to that bass too. And now the bass, yeah. Bass is awesome. Just the accents he's doing. Alright, I gotta fade it. And then when it does that again in the next verse, when it does the that sound again, yeah, yeah, yeah. comes back, pounds you in the head. Ah, yeah. Let me me ask you: Have you ever uh, recorded a song with what do they call castanets? No, no. You town painting guys, you guys ever do that? No, No. I never used that. I don't think. Fucking Neil, man. Fucking Neil, man. Fucking Neil, man. That's our that's our uh, saying on this podcast, Patterson. (laughs) Hashtag FNM. Fucking Neil. Neil, man. Because you can say it for landing on water and you can say it for after the gold rush and it means right. two different things, but it's still the fucking same thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I, what do you guys think of this, this theory I have about this song is that it's kind of the continua- continuation of like Cortez the Killer. Yeah, I wrote the same and thing. Inca Queen. Yeah, and Inca Queen. Bringing or, it up to date. Or like an Inca... Yeah, right, like an Inca. And then you're kind of bringing it up to date with, like, Mexico and, like, the influence of others. And, right. you know, it starts with the classic imagery, the riders on the hill and the bell, yeah. you know. Uh, and and um, and then it goes on to what, what I consider to be some kind of drug deal or maybe a, a purchase of influence or something like that. And it just kind of, that's kind of like with Cortez and Inca Queen and like an Inca and stuff like that, these outside influences mixed with this mythology. Mm. Right. Yeah. The, the Do we make sense? sense? Yeah, you know, yeah. for sure. Okay. The lyrics are fucking awesome. They're, I just love the way Neil... It, it, it's an, it almost kind of goes back to what you were saying, Patterson, just like the some of the rambling, you know? He's just like... Oh, yeah. He doesn't yeah. give a fuck, you know? He really he doesn't give a There's, fuck, and it's just it's so good. Well, there's like six different songs on just this album where every verse tells a different story. I th- it feels like he has just been holding on to these stories for so long. Like even this song, 
There's like yeah. four different stories in this song. And then when he gets to the bullfighter, it's like, okay, like what, where is he going with this? I just fucking, I love when you can't, I think my favorite thing about Neil is you can't pin him down on when he's at his best. Yeah. You know, like this, this song, um, what's the one fucking, uh, not, we'll get there, but uh, like someday where he's telling like six different stories, like each verse tells a different story, but it's just like, you can't really pin him down. The, the, the note I wrote about the song was this, this song feels like Neil's been trying to write this song for 13 years and he finally did it and he nailed it. It just right. feels like he fucking has been trying to write this kind of a song and then he finally did it and he fucking nailed it. I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how to explain what I'm trying to say. Here. No, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's great. Well, let's move on to the next one because this is a great Ben Keith song right here, baby. <laughs> Does anyone have anything else about El Dorado? Because that was the name of the EP put out before this. Well, we talked right. about that, though. That's yeah. True. yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, the, I think the bullfighter thing is that the people caught up in the middle between whoever's snapping the briefcase and whoever's making the deal you know, they'll, they'll come through like they have in the past. Yeah. You know, but with the Spanish and the Germans and, you know, the Mexican American war and stuff like that, they've always kind of kept going, you know, that's, that's kind of what I got from that. Yeah. All right. Uh, This one's called the ways of Ben Keith. I'm sorry. The ways of love. Hold on. (laughs) Same thing. Love and Ben Keith. Again, great drumming. The first time I listened to this, I predicted this was going to be in your top three, Russ. Is it? I don't know if it is. I don't think. It's just so, it's great though. Part has a Buffalo Springfield yes feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, we do we have Linda yet? Is yeah. Linda, Linda, Linda yeah. Linda comes in. I'll bring her back. Oh, she, oh there she is. Here she is. Oh, Yeah, but yeah. that pedal steel, this is an exceptional Ben Keith performance. Oh, oh absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah it's like the stuff up. on Harvest, it kind of fills the spaces. You know, just it, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we've all had our hearts broken, but can you imagine having your heart broken by Linda Ronstadt? Mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, God, no. Seriously. And, and if you live through it, at least you can say, well, it was Linda Ronstadt. I mean, it was. Yeah, Linda, right. You know, it was yeah, Linda exactly. Ronstadt. <laughs> I do. I love lyrically though. This is, I mean, Neil writes a lot of songs similar to this, but I feel like this one is kind of a, he's contemplating the consequences on the other side of, uh, of some kind of an affair or some kind of a situation. Right. You know what I'm saying? Another who is crying. You yeah. Know, part in the lyric. Yeah. Again, there's a price, you know? Yeah. The price. Yeah. That, I found this, I found like. the love of my life, but then there's, you know, someone, there's a price for it. You're, you're destroying someone else's, you know, love or, or dreams, the relationship. Mike, even. you're a fucking philosophical son of a bitch. You really, I, I blame my English teacher. Sorry. 
Fantastic. But this is a song he actually wrote in the 70s. And it has that comes a time vibe. Yes, yeah. very comes a time. I love that about this record is that you can actually tell that there are songs from all these different periods yeah. Yeah. that are in it. And I, I think that's part of what gives this record a strength. And that's one of the things about Neil's trajectory as an artist that I've most been that I love most and have been probably most influenced by is the fact that he's done that, that he's always yeah. kind of done that. And I, I yeah. love that about him. Yeah. yeah he's always Same. like taking stuff from the past or reworked it. And his albums, have, most of his albums have always been kind of a patchwork. Yeah. Yeah. Worked and what flowed through there. Yeah. Well, even one of my favorite things to find out about life is I know, I know we already talked about it on this episode, but, uh, fucking long walk home that he wrote that 10 or tw even 20 years before it came right. out as a completely different song yeah and it's i just i don't know i i like that he and then and then now we have the version on archives too and it's like exactly. holy shit this song just opened up to in a whole nother fucking mm. beautiful way you yeah. know it's yeah. he just never stops evolving he never yeah. stops evolving he's fucking just, neil man fucking neil man Fucking yeah. Neil, man. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> we got a Patterson Hood fucking Neil, man. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on to someday because we got it. We're running. We're this, running I think this. I'm calling that this is the one shoe was gonna have yeah. an issue with. Yeah, just let this play a little bit. I'll, I'll give you my take on this. Tonight, a very special lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> they never thought an STD could bring people together. <laughs> It's Chlamydia for Christmas. Chlamydia for Christmas. It's Harry Hamlin. Oh my God, can I write that song? <laughs> yes, please do that. Can I, can I, all right, I'm fading this out early here. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> no, God, Mike, that's... ...80s production and the keyboards. It was like a leftover from Landing on Water or Life or something. It was just... Um, so you heard it here first, everyone. Patterson Hood is going to write a song called Chlamydia for Christmas. <laughs> and and Luke and I are gonna do the backup vocals and I'll Here we go. Praise the, the Lord. Yeah. Oh, we got I mean I've got a I'm doing a Christmas show uh in a week and a half, and uh and my wife is really on me to write a Christmas song for it. <laughs> and I've been very resistant. I don't know oh if she's going to Please, please write the I mean, I mean the name of the Christmas. show is Christ, it's Christmas. And, uh, I'm, I'm just not Christmassy, you know? It's like I get I get Christmas spirit around around Christmas Eve. And it's like, okay, it's Christmas. Yeah. I'm, I'm good for two days of Christmas. Right. All yeah. in. Yeah. But this talking about Christmas a month out just pisses me off. And, uh, and, and, and so... Uh, so she stays on me. She wants me to write a song for my Christmas show I'm doing, and uh, and and I think I think I think it might should happen now. I think we found it. I think we found <laughs> the title. You have your background <laughs> vocals singers right here too. Yeah. Can y'all come you. do it? Dude, hell <laughs> yeah! Absolutely. I'm going to do it in my living room. So uh, if you I, send us your rough take for chlamydia for Christmas, we will immediately yeah, we'll, the day of we will send you our background vocals. I, I yeah, can and I'll add a, I'll add a drum track too. It would probably be djembe. I feel like it'd be a djembe song. For I me. can only imagine the artwork Wes Freed would come up with for that song. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! So okay, can we talk about the fact that the first person he mentions is fucking Rommel? 
Yeah, that scared me at first. It's a little odd. It's an well, odd choice. You know, yeah, I, I don't think, well, first of all, Rommel wasn't a Nazi, and he was part of that group that tried to overthrow Hitler right. and end the war. But it's and still I, an odd choice. It is. I think we're, again, we're talking about price. Yes, like, okay. Of, of doing what you believe in. You know, and in Rommel's case, it killed him. You know, but then yeah. about the, the preacher who has sinned. You know, you got to pay the, if you want to be influential, like a preacher, you, you know. You it's the most ridiculous part of the song, by the way. Oh, okay. And then this, you know, the Alaska pipeline part, that's the most ridiculous part of the song. Like all, of a, all of a sudden yeah. building the pipeline and it's like Allentown by Billy Joel, you know, <laughs> and it's, and it's like, you know, the, the whole like smog turning into stars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Listen, you guys, I, I want to hate this song, Shoe. I do, but I just don't. I don't hate it. Really, Russ? Yeah. You like the whole praise the Lord, praise his I, name. I don't part. hate this song. I wish I, right. I, I feel like I should, but I don't. Can you go to two? Oh, no, I don't hate the song. I love the song. Really? Yeah, I think they're just oh. saying because oh, the production and stuff and, and it's sort of the cheesiness, but I, I, oh, I love I, it. I like oh, the sentiment. I do too, man. I'm with you. I, I, I knew these guys were going to hate it, and I was going to have to right. admit to them I'll, that I didn't. And I was I'll afraid. tell you this. This is not my cut song. This is my, was almost my cut song. Can you, can you go to 258? Yeah. Well, 205 is the work in the who. No, no, no. 258. I want to point something out here. All okay. right. Hold on. All it's right. not another Hallmark special. I All promise. right. Ready? Here we go. in a Bruce Springsteen tribute band. It's fine with me. Yeah, I'm I kind of hear that. You're tough. I, I'm, you, had, you, you had me at Chlamydia for Christmas, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this song. I'm Listen, we, so, we, so we call our, our uh, listeners youngsters, which I know is super weird, but it's just something they silly. They love it. Something silly, and they love it, but. So what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm telling our youngsters right now, if you want this to happen, you got to at Patterson Hood and you got you to use the hashtag chlamydia for Christmas. No, what are you doing, Russ? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, what the fuck was Patterson, that? Patterson's turning off all of his, his, uh, his social media right now. He's like, I don't want these freaks fucking <laughs> messaging me chlamydia for Christmas. Oh, my God. You So Patterson and Russ, you guys really – you're like all in on this song. Yeah, I like. I'm it. all in. What do yeah. you like? About, what do you like about it? I mean, I I, I don't hate it. it. Okay. I love everything about. It. I mean, I'm not going to say it's a top shelf, all time favorite Neil Young song, but in the context of where it sits on this record, yeah, I, I think agree. it's perfect. I don't, there's okay. nothing about this record I would change. It was my record of the year in '89, uh, tied with New, with New York, and 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 all these years later. I, my my top ten list would be exactly the at least the top top position would be the same all these years later. I think both those records have held up beautifully as both a snapshot of that moment in time as well as. Uh oh, uh oh, oh, we lost him. Hold on, is he coming back? Yeah, <laughs> it's chlamydia for Christmas. Our, our his computer got chlamydia. Oh, oh there he is. There he is. He up for a second, Patterson. <laughs> it's the gift that keeps on giving. Chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> is that what they say? 
Hey, we all have to fly someday. That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree a hundred percent, Paris. And, and I, I, I think the, like you said, the placement of it is, is another part of it that does okay. it for me. I think go from this and then going into on Broadway, I think, I don't know. I just think the way that this whole album flows is just, yeah. And this song, like I wrote because I knew you guys were going to have an issue with this. And I was like, I don't, I'm going to have to admit that I don't hate it. It's not I don't, top three on the album, but I, I, I like, I like it a lot. I, I don't, don't have an issue with it. And I agree. I do like the placement of it, but to me, it's definitely my least, my second least favorite song on the album, but let's keep moving. Cause we got to, we actually we're running out of time here. So we okay. got to get, all right, let's hop onto Neil's cover here. It was on Broadway. That sound. Yeah. You got to go to the end though, Luke, like four, 14 though. I think, I think it's uh, all right. I knew exactly. I knew you were going to say this for us, man. Yeah. You got to, you got to hear it. Here we go. Hold on. Spots on the record. God damn it. That's why he's my favorite. Fucking yeah, Neil dude. Young. That's why, we're, that's why we're doing this fucking podcast. Right. Give me some of that crack. Give me that crack. Come on. He witnessed a drug deal because they recorded this in Times Square <laughs> and at the Hit Factory. And apparently he did witness a drug deal. That kind of what inspired that. Oh, really? Yeah, happening outside where they were in the studio. But then again, it's also like, you know, this is, again, a paying the price song. Yeah, I guess, no, you know, I, your, your pursuit of fame. Right. And so it's kind of like, well, like rhinestone cowboy, you know, this is this, you're going to have to do some things you maybe don't want to do. Yeah. You know, I just realized, and I've never, never consciously realized it, but I guarantee it's the truth. Uh, when I was writing my part of Southern rock opera on uh, the end of road cases, where it says to pay off that cocaine dealer and to pay off that crack dealer. I guarantee I unconsciously ripped that off <laughs> that line and that part of that Neil Young song. Yeah. And I, I never, never consciously realized it until just a moment ago when we were listening to it. And it's oh, like, wow. oh, yeah, I ripped that off. <laughs> That's so funny. That's awesome. Yeah. Road Case is a great fucking song, by the Hell way. Oh, yeah. Uh, think, what a, what a, I think what that a... was the third thing I wrote for that record. I oh, think wow. it was it wrote it super early like 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 super super early mm. it's great man um what the fuck the, was i gonna say 
No, go ahead, Russ, man. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say this fucking the the end of this. I, I just his guitar, man. He's just this yeah. album. Oh God, yeah, it's just so fucking. Well, even weird. even the way it builds. This is my to this yeah. point my favorite cover that Neil does. And what is this? His seventeenth studio album. I yeah. don't even know how many like releases this is for him, but this is my favorite cover by far. It might be my favorite cover he does ever. And right. it it builds so well, and his his guitar is so fucking harsh oh. and like the, the, the sound and the riff. Oh yeah, god, the drums, the the feel, the the aesthetic, the, oh, yeah. the sound of this song. Even through the crappy zoom thing, I can still tell it's like yes, War, warbly. I think is the word you were looking for. <laughs> you know, but, I think artistically, there's probably an argument that gets made a lot about Neil Young being impatient because there's a very impatient side to his art through the years. But the duality is there's a patience about Mm. Neil Young too. Yeah. That is every bit the yin yang of that. You know, you know, all through the eighties when Geffen's suing him and everyone's pissed (laughs) off and they're bitching about landing on water and they're bitching about rockabilly and they're bitching about country and all that. You know, in the back of his mind, he knows that at any point when he yeah. fucking feels like it, mm-hmm. he can make freedom. Yeah. And he can do exactly that thing that everyone's so missing, and he's just going to make them wait well, until he fucking fits. It's like, oh, no, this year we're going to do the blue notes. Yeah. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not on death anymore. Don't do that. <laughs> but and then he, he does, man. You're right. And then, and then it takes way even longer because the majority of those fans are waiting for another harvest, and oh, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't even give that to them until Harvest right. Moon, which right. is yeah. amazing because right. it's a beautiful but, record. Yeah, it's beautiful one of record. yeah. I mean, and again, I think a lot of that goes to Ben Keith because he produced that. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, and, and Spooner is a very yeah. important piece of that puzzle too. Yes, to me, the big difference between first harvest and second harvest, besides the years, is the Spooner aspect. And as yeah. someone that spent a, a pretty intimate amount of time with Spooner awesome. in my life, there's a uh, cool. yeah, that's right. Yeah, and you were you did worked with Booker T as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a lucky man. Yeah. And, Spooner uh, was Spooner was in the Truckers. Spooner was yeah. Spooner, Spooner's a yeah, and uh, cool. we we we, uh, we spent a year together and uh, uh, oh god, I love Spooner. But there's a there's an aspect of his personality that is so loud throughout Harvest Moon, and uh, and that's like the that's like the 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 secret spice in that sauce is yeah. the Spooner spice. Sounds like you'll have to come back for the Harvest Moon episode is what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, get, or, or, or get Spooner to do it. You know? That'd be yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's really awesome. And and I totally agree that he, 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 of course, is probably like, yeah, just wait, you fucks. You know what <laughs> oh, I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. he doesn't, uh, it's just a weird thing. But then again, you, you, you think about, well, to go back to on the beach, I I said to this to the to the guys when we were covering that album, the line where Neil says, "I need a crowd of people, but I can't face them day to day." Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is another thing that really sums him up. And and I know mm-hmm. Luke had, Luke had mentioned um, what line was that Luke where, where you were saying um, it doesn't uh, mean that doesn't much. Doesn't mean that much to me. Doesn't mean that much to you. You know, it's like 
it's this that duality thing, man, that yin yang where he needs a crowd of people, but he can't face them day to day. But he and it and it doesn't mean that much to him to mean that much to you. But he's still it's he has to do it, you know. Fucking he Neil, has dude. to fucking do it. It's the same way that we have to do it, you know what I yeah. mean? And, and he's just he's been that for all of us. And I, and this album to me, I I totally agree, Patterson. And it just it goes to show that he doesn't give a fuck, but he also gives so much of a fuck that he doesn't give a fuck that here's a fuck that he gives. You know what I mean? It's like just this never-ending Neil loop that all is always just fucking unraveling to go back to, to you yeah. there. So, I don't know. Let's let's move on. But. All right. Neil, Neil, uh, youngsters, frequent listeners of this podcast know we're at the point where we have four songs left and we have like five minutes left. Of the we can make it a two-parter. We'll, yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll but here is uh, here's Re- the, yeah. Wrecking Ball. I can already tell our favorite part of watching this back is going to be uh, the part where we spend a minute listening and it's all of us just kind of <laughs> it's doing all just it. yeah. our heads. <laughs> I like Neil, Neil in a Rolling Stone interview said, this is a, the wrecking ball is a place where you can go to dance with someone other than your wife and it wrecks your life. Oh geez. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read that. And that's, I, I think that's kind of what the song is about where again, there's that price. So he's successful in what he does but he gives up a certain part of his life for it. Like everybody's watching. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. Kind of thing like that. He kind of mentioned that on Coupe de Ville and uh, on, on the, every, uh, this note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a right to live my life, you know, but I got this thing I got to do and I got to be careful about what I do. And, you know, the whole right. reading and, mm. reading, you know, my life is on the radio. It's all in my songs basically. But, you know, that's what I got from this one. No, I agree. I, I, same thing. I also, we have this thing on this podcast, Patterson, where we talk about how Neil is definitely a, a time traveling vampire. He is for sure. Mm-hmm. And in that we mean that in the most loving way, of course, but sure, he definitely has, he definitely has this time travel quality where he's always seems to be either ahead of things or influencing times. And he's just, and this song to me, I was like the, uh, <laughs> the title of it, because how many fucking songs have been called Wrecking Ball? And I was like, was Neil one of the first ones? Well, but Neil I mean, wrote I, the Miley I of, version, I think. I thought of sure. Gillian Welch. I thought of Miley. I thought of Ryan Adams. There's like oh, so Ryan many. Oh, Ryan Adams. Jeez, yeah, I forgot about that. I think but Bruce I was like, fucking Neil beat now. them all to it or something. Well, well, yeah, like, Bruce. And which one is uh, in, which one is Emmy Lou's? Because she hers is is it that Neil? Was this one. That's this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I lo- love that one. too. Yeah, yeah. I, I like trivia question for you leading into so the infamous Saturday Night Live performance where he did "Rockin' in the Free World." What was the other song he played that night? 
Was it this one? A good question. If I remember correctly, he did an abbreviated version of the needle and the damage done. Really? Followed by no more. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it was, and it's as good as rocking in the free world. I mean, yeah. it's it's fucking good, man. I remember it that. Was, I gotta watch it that. It was hair raising good. I mean, yeah. the bands on on TV just were never as good as that as no. those as he was that night. That was like that's still to me the gold standard of how to do TV is, yeah. is what he did that night on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Uh, watch the whole the whole thing i i had only seen the the rocking in the free world yeah no no more is fucking great and and i'm 99 it's been 30 years now since i've seen it but i'm 99 percent sure that that uh he did an abbreviated needle in the damage and then broke into it yeah i remember that because i was like oh my god i can't believe he's playing this Uh, but then the the whole band kicked in all right yeah i'm kicking right i'm gonna use that as a segue kick right into no more okay all right Listen to the bass in this song. The bass is great. Also, Ben Keith is on keyboards in this song, everybody. Russ, you got to relax on the Ben Keith. No, I never will. Uh, You're right on on that. Gotta fade a little bit here, but does this his has a cool change too with the at, at the no mores and then the oh, GM yeah. at the end is awesome oh, yeah. too. But does his vocals remind anyone else of uh, Blind Melon a little bit on this one, or am I on an island? Oh no, here? I think Shannon Hoon definitely had a Neil Young influence in his singing. Yeah. Sure. Well, anyway, among many others, this yeah. song in particular, and ironically that it's I mean it's all about fucking drugs and mm-hmm. drug addiction, like it. It I don't know like immediately when he came in I thought of Shannon Hoon and I thought of Blind Melon I don't know why maybe it's because I've been listening to them a bunch lately but I don't it's know. kind of appropriate you know for this song especially I guess because of what happened to Shannon Hoon and right you know and Neil dealt with his own you know his own demons but you know he knew you know like Danny Witten you know yeah. and Bruce Barry well, and then like Stephen Stills and David Crosby and how they're you know they're art suffered because of their addictions right you know and he was especially on he was especially upset about Stephen stills because like i said earlier they just made that american dream album and it was horrible and Stephen stills just came and didn't have any ideas and he was totally burned out and still doing cocaine and neil was really pissed about that and uh but yeah this is definitely a cautionary tale and like who would know better you know than right. a guy who's suffered you- through it himself but also lost friends you know good friends you can make a valid argument for a uh, for a trilogy of uh, of this album, Ragged Glory and Sleeps with Angels, almost mm. being kind of a trilogy in its own right too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because because they kind of bookend and uh, and I love Sleeps with Angels. I think I think yeah. that's a you know yeah an overlooked an often overlooked fantastic record. It conjures a mood and a mm. and a, boy it was it soundtracked where I was that moment when it came out. That's for sure. 
Mm. The on the archives too, the uh the video, the uh movie thing they had is fucking is great too. Oh yeah. Patterson, I don't know if you have or subscribe to Neil Young Archives, but when you no, do I need to. That's what I want for Christmas. It has a, a we can do that for you. We'll get one. You yeah. heard it here first, folks. We're gonna they have a half hour documentary of the making, somewhat of the making of Sleeps with Angels. And you get to see him working with David Briggs, which I think is yeah. cool because oh, I'm a huge awesome. David Briggs fan, but you know how they put stuff together in the studio. But yeah, I agree on that. It evokes, there's a certain mood and that was, you know, it's kind of the same to this song, you know, kind of the whole thing. Most of it was like a cautionary tale. I think to what was going on at the time, because you had Kurt Cobain who killed himself, you know, heroin was starting to just like it always does riddle itself into the current music scene and stuff like that. And he'd seen that already, you know, tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, this line I want to read real quick because I think it ties in exactly what you're saying here, Shu. Seemed like the easy thing to let it go for one more day, like singing the same old song and twisting the words in a different way. Where did the magic go? I searched high and low. I can't find it no more. I can't get it back. I can't yeah, find it no that's yeah. just, And I think no, that that is just that like, whole, I'm going to kick tomorrow. I'll yeah. do it tomorrow. And, and just that's, just that, I just love the imagery too of, of a musician or whoever, you know, singing that same fucking song, but like just changing the word here, or there, twisting the words a little bit. But you still, no matter how much you twist it, if you're not there, you're not there. And the magic's not there, no matter where you, what you try to do or, yeah. you know, and, and I just love the way that he takes that line and takes that sentiment and takes that feeling and then just fucking puts it in this beautiful little bow, you know, and it's just like... Yeah. I don't it know. Like and he gives like it to us. They're beautiful. But oh, yeah. It gets darker and darker as it spirals downward through the song, you know. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful tune. And this this surf guitar influence totally comes out in this song. Yeah. Oh yeah. You go to um go to 322, Luke, some awesome surf guitar. It's like he's playing on the prairie. It's just like, just keeps going. Yeah, like when you're surfing on the prairie. I get it. That's right, man. He's the naked rider. (laughs) Also, Russ, your listening face looks like you're taking a shit while listening to NPR. That that is what I'm doing. It was that frozen cord in blue. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's fuck. We got two songs left. Too far gone. Here we go. We're too far gone to finish this, Luke. I'm sorry. I love this song. We talk, like... Yeah, you want to know why this song's the best? Because fucking BK is singing in it. I know. Is he singing in it? Yeah, he's singing in it. I love. I just love the track order of this whole album. Also, also Poncho on Mando. Are you kidding no, me? Poncho. That's Poncho. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's Ben. This nice. definitely has a, a drinking chorus. This, yeah. You know what this kind of reminds me of, Shu? And let me know if you agree with this. It's got like a sort of a dead flowers by the stones. Yes. Sort of vibe, you know right. what I mean? Okay. Yeah, once you, you that, dead flowers, yeah, you know, it's sort of, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is top three for me. I, I think this song is fucking awesome. This was my fourth. It didn't make my top three. But this song, to me, this is why I love Neil. So no one, I mean, not no one, but I mean, I'm sure Patterson and Russ, you guys think about this track. Track order is way more important than people give it, give it credit for. But this album is perfectly tracked. The order is great. And this song could have been the end and it would have been a perfect album and the fact that he throws on the electric that he bookends it with the electric version of rocking in the free world it makes it even better but i just i don't know this song's fucking great this is another song he wrote in the 70s is and it? um and he Sounds kind of like- brought it back and there's the really good version on that songs for judy live album they put yeah. out yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah that was like from 1977 or 76 mid 70s around then and uh he kind of does a pretty funny story before that about people yelling out to play his old stuff and he's like yeah we'll get to it whatever i want to play this thing i just wrote right now you know just being real to the audience Fucking Neil, man. and on that note we'll get to songs for judy in 2023 that's likely. right <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Wanted me to hit the last one here? Let's rock the free world. Yeah, fucking let's fucking hell. rock it. Yeah. It's really hard to sing harmonies over Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Russ, you're killing it. It's just like a half a second behind. Oh, I'm sure it is. It's fine. I don't give a fuck. Right, this yeah. is a goddamn SCC right here, man. This is a stone cold classic. <laughs> For sure. This is, man. This is well, a great tune. I mean, come on. In, this, in the electric version, Yeah, the one with the George... H.W. Bushisms in it, the thousand points of light and yeah. kinder, gentler. I mean, I, Patterson, I, I'm imagining we're around the same age, but those were like catchphrases for George H.W. Bush. Like we were going to give up on, you know, helping people. The government's going to give up on helping people. And we're going to leave that to the thousand points of light, which were basically, he was just naming off churches yeah, and church charities. And we're going to leave it up to them to help the homeless people, the homeless man. Well, like- you're trying to reach out to the people who were disenfranchised by Reaganism by being the kinder and gentler Republican, mm-hmm. even though he wasn't, you know, no. he's still, you know, he, he, he you know, I, I probably, I probably grudgingly have more respect for, for HW than I do Reagan, because at least he was a real war hero and he was, uh, and, uh, 
but he also gave us Clarence Thomas. Right. Know, yeah. Yeah. Fucking, yeah. Yeah. And Clarence the Thomas time. and his fucking son. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that that was the thing. It was like he was just it was just smoke and mirrors. Yeah. You know, we're kind we're gonna be a kindler and gentler country. Then we're gonna invade Panama. Right. Yeah. You know kindler, gentler machine gun hand is right. Just we're gonna like, go back and so fucking lyric, you know, back the Panama Canal and all that stuff. And uh, yeah. So I, I love Neil Young had very strong feelings about the Panama Canal. Did he, Did he really? Oh, that's why he endorsed Reagan. Yeah. In 80. We, was, we talked was, about. He, 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 he turned on Carter because of the Panama Canal. He was so, he was so mad about the way Carter handled the Panama Canal uh, treaty thing that he, that that's why he, even though he couldn't actually vote, you know, cause he was Canadian. He, he came out for Reagan in 1980. Wow. Holy shit. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. He was and that was the big Reagan. issue. That was the driving issue because he was offended about the Panama Canal. Yeah. He was yeah. big on Reagan's foreign policy thing. Right. You know, yeah. We talked about that. Cause especially with, when we were on Hawks and Doves and when yeah. we were get, getting into the eighties and we were like, man, it's just, it's so weird that he had that time because now he's, you know, he's, yeah. He is what he is Bernie. now. He's all he's all Black Lives Matter. He's Bernie. He's, you know, and so it's just so fucking strange to me that he we should went, we should point duality. out we should point yeah. out that that Bernie used uh, Rocket in the Free World a couple times and it was fine. Oh yeah, he likes yeah. Bernie. He's all about Bernie. Yeah, because right. Bernie's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah, I got my my Bernie sign right there. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he he. Uh, yeah, he was openly endor- endorsing Bernie, and he was part of the one of the last Bernie rallies there was. That's why he became a United States the, citizen. The digital yeah. one. Oh, the digital yeah. one. Yeah, but anyway, this has been Freedom, yeah, youngsters. Fine. Thank you for hanging out. Patterson, thank you so much for hopping on to this episode. Hey, man, I'm, I'm thrilled. I've had a blast. It's been like getting to hang out with new friends. And yeah, I hell yeah, really man. mean that. I've loved it. And, uh, and, and there's nothing I love more than geeking out about a record. So I got to ask y'all before we go, though. So Freedom, top five Neil Young records for you? But anybody? We, is there anybody yeah. that would put Freedom I, in their top five favorite Neil Young albums? Probably. After doing this episode, probably. But we have we got it. We have to get through all of them first. I'm yeah. tempted to say yes, but only, I feel like I'm hard. But I'm swayed it because it's been such a long road to get to it. But it's yeah. it's been so enjoyable for me. I think, yeah. like I said, the past two weeks I've listened to this album twenty times at least. Getting yeah. ready for this. I have fucking twenty pages of notes. I think I've looked at them twice. I tried just, to look the, at them. the reason it's so hard is because those early records are so goddamn yeah. good. Like I oh, can't, yeah. I can't and give up. Period. Yeah, I, I just can't give up with. I can't drop on the beach after on the, the beach. gold rush. Zoom well, on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even I mean, even like tonight's tonight, and honestly, even Reactor still. And every, I mean, everybody I knows this is nowhere. Yeah, we all loved Reactor. We were all blown away. We we. Yeah. We didn't, it ain't top five, but I love Reactor. I think, yeah. Same. I think yeah. it's super underrated and very important. Yeah, Same. I would say because of the because of when this album came out, I would hover it close to the fifth or sixth spot, at least right now for me, as far as top. If if I'm picking my top five. So, yeah, yeah. It, it might slip in for me. Uh, if I'm forgetting something, you know, but may, I mean, yeah. I'm thinking tonight's the night. Everybody knows this is nowhere. Russ never sleeps. Zuma, you know, Zuma is yeah. such a great album. Oh, Zuma. I love Zuma. Zuma's my number one right now. I can't so, get Patterson, away from- is it what it, this is 
definitely top five for you though, right? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Okay. It's yeah. it's the dark horse in the top five. I mean, the other four are easy for me. Yeah. But 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 when I when I reimmerse myself in it after all these years, it's like I mean, it's it's an important it's an important Neil Young record. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's well, really close to being top five for and me. And I mean, you okay. think about this song, especially this version. I mean, shoot, when you were on AAF, this must have been the Neil song you played the most, was, right? Yeah, almost every day. And it still is on a, a lot of rock stations, classic rock stations. This is yeah. more than Cinnamon Girl or, or Down by the River. It's any This of the, has yeah. to be one it's of the... Number his, one. This, this was his comeback. I mean, this was 100%. Like, you, there's no denying this song, yeah. you know? Yeah. And and so, I, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's really tough. I agree. It, but I, can, I'm gonna have to give it some thoughts. Can we do a quick top three songs off this album? We should do that because we we do that yeah. every uh, record. I'll give you well, mine yeah, first. Yeah, but I just I mean yeah I mean we should talk more about this song, but I guess we're running out of time. But yeah, I mean the end, the guitar at the end. I mean it's yeah. This will be this will be a, a two parter, I'm sure. But uh, my my top three, my number three is Broadway. I fucking love that cover. My number two is the acoustic version of Rockin' in the Free World, and my number one is Don't Cry. That song like ripped my heart out. So, want me to go next? Yeah. All right. I'd, my number three is uh, "Don't Cry," and that guitar part will always get me. It'll always just like tickle the back of my balls every time I fucking <laughs> hear it, man. It's unbelievable. It'll and then uh, "No More" is my number two, and okay. "El Dorado" is my number one. I knew I, you. Were, I knew that was going to be your number one. I love that song yeah. so much. It is so awesome. All right, Russman, you're up. Oh, unless you want to go, Patterson. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Number three, probably no more for me. Number two is tough because it because it, it it would almost almost have to be a tie between Don't Cry and El Dorado, but number one's Crime in the City because I just I love Crime mm. in the City. Although yeah. I, I I do prefer the live version on Weld, but yeah. uh, but, yeah. I, but but this is the version that needed to be on this record, and yeah, and, and it's it's it, they're both so great. Yeah, nice. What about you, Riz? Um, three is too far gone. Hmm. Two is uh, no more. And one is the electric version of "Rocking in the Free World." Just because, oh, okay. I mean, you don't yep. get any. You don't. You, you don't get the third verse in the acoustic version. Well. You yeah that and also this album wouldn't we wouldn't I mean who knows what the world would be without that this that's the that's electric point. version yeah. of mm-hmm. we don't know what Neil would I mean to me you as much as I actually enjoy other songs on this album a little more I think this song has to be number one for me because of because it is what it is yeah and because it the, the I agree I agree you know, on that yeah so I have to make it my number one. Um, if you okay, if you had to pick a cut song, not that you would cut any song, but if you had to pick one, what do you got? I'll okay. tell you right now, mine is wrecking wrecking ball. Mine's wrecking really? ball. Yeah. Yeah. Mine someday. Okay. You don't it's have it. to answer Patterson if you don't want. Yeah, he <laughs> does. He's on the episode. He has to. Yeah. Um <laughs> I don't know. It would be it would be so lame to cut it, but probably on Broadway. And I love on Broadway, but okay. I don't know. I I, I it's I mean, they're really all pretty essential, which Absolutely. is saying a lot for a song for an album that's an hour and an, an hour and a minute long. Mm. You know? yeah. yeah, it's 
fucking solid from beginning to end. This was, I'm, I'm glad that we're finally at the point again. Remember the first, like, honestly, 10 albums, Russ, you didn't, you never wanted to pick a cut song. You're like, I can't pick one. I don't want to cut any of those. I, I was, I, dude, on the beach, I was like, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but no. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be back at that point. So yeah. This and how f- fucking cool is it that we're sitting here with Patterson Hood yeah, and Bye Bye awesome. Truckers? Yeah, you went so through. Much. You were the first special guest of ours to go through the whole the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, it's been fun, y'all. Thanks, we, for, thanks we, for having me. We interviewed Nils Lofgren and Danny Karchmar and Mark Mothersbaugh, and you're the first one that actually went through the whole the whole uh, going through all the songs and everything. And and we're we're it, it's an honor, man. We yeah. really appreciate it. Absolutely. And and. Well, I know it's been tough with the pandemic and everything. And I know it's you, like you said, you sort of felt there was times where you were flashing back to being 27 and in in a really dark time. And I hope that, that whether it be the records you've put out or listening to Neil again, or just being a little more encouraged maybe by things that are going on now, I hope that you've sort of are coming out of that, that, that dark place. And we've really enjoyed your, your light here today with us and and you're an inspiration for so many people, including us. And, and, and um, for anyone who's listening, that's also in that dark period. I hope they feel some light and some joy and that it's not, you don't need to give up. And you, you know, if you've learned anything from listening to this, if you're in a, in a dark place, just know, keep on rocking, you know, cause. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're in that dark place, don't try to go it alone. If you, you know, right. there is, there, there is help out there. Get it. If you need it. I mean, Absolutely. do it, you know, you know, do it, do it, do it. You know, I, I'll, yeah everyone I know has lost somebody this year because of that too. In yeah. addition to all the other things we've lost people to this year. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we really love you, man. And we really yeah. appreciate you coming on and it means a lot to us, man. Absolutely. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks you. for having me. It's been really yeah. been fun. And, uh, and Hey, chlamydia for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, yeah. we're going to be looking forward to you sending us th- that track. man. <laughs> And I always, I always say this to all our, our, our guests too, our special guests is that we, we shamelessly plug. So Luke and I will probably want to send you our record. Yeah. We'll send you some shit. Oh, please do. Please we do. Will, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's uh, get, get each other's emails yeah. and everything. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, bef- so, but uh, this has been long. May you young. If you haven't checked it out, the unraveling came out earlier this year, but the new okay came out only right. a few months ago on October 2nd by the drive-by truckers. Most of our fans are also drive-by truckers fans because they're fans of good music. But if you haven't checked it out yet, the new okay, it literally helped to get me through the latter oh, part of this year. So yeah, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, long may young fans. It comes fans. out on vinyl in a week and I think about a That's week awesome. and a half it comes out on vinyl finally oh, too. Really nice. Is there a link? Do you, is there that we can post? We, we'll, we'll email back and forth. But the link for the, to get that on vinyl, we'll have posted that on and, all and, our social media. And shoot. do you care if we share the video of you covering Rocket in the Free World on our, our website? No, I'm, I'm, right. I'm totally... Yeah. As long as Neil don't come after me, I'm totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. But uh, also on that note, we have a website now, longmayyoungpodcast.com. Mm-hmm. It uh, covers our serious notes and probably our most ridiculous parts as well. It's mm-hmm. going to get more ridiculous as time goes on because we have way too much free time on our hands. And me and Russ are in town meeting, as everyone knows, and hopefully we'll be announcing 2021 dates. <laughs> 
we'll at see. some hopefully, point. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Who knows? And then those will get canceled because people won't wear. And, and then people masks. can can be on the lookout for the uh, the drive by truckers town meeting uh, <laughs> single Christmas chlamydia. chlamydia for Christmas. Chlamydia for Christmas. <laughs> with of course songwriting credits also going to Shu for coming up with the. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. On the brain, and I, I should, on a, a very final note, Russ, man, I know you'll appreciate this. I do want to do a quick, very special shout out to one of my favorite local bands, Chris Ross in the North from uh, Maine, who turned me on to you guys probably years and years ago. Uh, they're uh, big fans of yours, Chris Ross, one of my favorite songwriters. He's up in Maine, and uh, thanks, Chris, for turning me on to the Truckers, and uh, thank you, Patterson, for being part of this podcast. Yeah, thanks, man. Thank right. you, Patterson. Much, much love, great. brother. Take care. Bye. Keep on rocking, youngsters. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.